Jesus Christ. Hello everybody and welcome to Robots Don't Age, where we are now on Discord instead of Zencaster. Fuck you, Zencaster! I am your beautifully bearded co-host, Cody, and with me today is... Your Discord moderator. <laughs> How's it going, guys? The Dogmaster CJ, everybody. I'm the Discord moderator now, <laughs> now that we're on Discord. And don't, don't you start no shit. I'll ban you. Shitting on overweight shit. people aside. So, <laughs> uh, how, how are you liking this Discord bot? I jump scared you at the start a little. I did not expect him to tell us he was recording. That's what threw me off in the no. beginning. I just thought he was going to quietly pop in. I kind of appreciate in. it a little bit. Oh, I don't dislike it. I just yeah, didn't know it was going to happen. It does just straight but, um, up sound like someone joining your call. Yeah, and it's only like three of us, and Keanu's never on Discord unless we make her do something on True. Discord. Alright, sir. So, as per usual, uh, you know how we do these episodes. Before we talk about the main subject, which is the 1993 classic film, Blood In, Blood Out, uh, what is it that you've been up to? Well, um, you know, in light of recent trailer events, I've found, uh, actually as far back as the announcement, started doing a brief little play, not a brief one, but a playthrough of, uh, Grand Theft Auto, and um, mm -hmm. as you know, uh, also, um, thanks to my little brother, rediscovered my love for Call of Duty Zombies. So. Yeah, it is kind of funny that like the franchise, at one point at least, I don't know if it still is, was known mostly for okay, the zombies. let me take you back to whatever fucking year it was, but I remember the trailer for the zombie mode for Call of Duty World at War being, like, announced. Like, the trail zombie mode wasn't a thing when the game came out, from what I recall. Because I'm pretty sure that was a day one game for me. Because my birthday is early December, I and Call of Duty comes out around Veterans Day every year. So I got that one a little bit later for the 360, so zombies are already yeah, there so when I got this, it. Yeah, so this, you got this new game, you're hyped. The zombies aren't there yet, and you see this trailer... With, um, I believe it's, what's that Evanescent song it used? Uh, that big, big one, one that, that everyone that knows? One, that Evanescent song. Yeah, with uh, yeah. the music video where someone's like climbing well, up a wall off, or some you shit. Know, the first, which is very vanilla when you compare it to the rest of the zombie mode maps, but you see that first map, but you're it was like, oh, this looks, pretty, this looks pretty awesome. And it was, it was pretty bare bones at first, but, you know, as as Treyarch started developing more sequels like Black Ops, which I'll always maintain, I've always been a fan of Call of Duty, but not for the same reason it's popular. The reason it's popular is obviously the multiplayer scene. That's the, that's the component I, I never cared for. For me, Call of Duty is kind of like buying chocolate. Like, it's good every once in a while, but I don't need to, like, get chocolate every time I go to the fucking store. Yeah. Like, I can wait, in this case, a couple of years before now, I Call get a new Duty's one. Call of Duty's always had, like, a very, like, cinematic campaign, even the early ones. Like, they straight up have, like, you know, Saving Private Ryan's beach scene, one for one. It's very cinematic, and that's the fun of it. You know, and, you know, it's, uh, the early Call of Duty's were very yeah. World War II focused, so it's a bit of a historic timepiece. With, you know, World at War and what Treyarch managed to do with World at War and Black Ops is to sort of bring that different spin on it where we're not wanting to outright disrespect our veterans because, you know, Call of Duty has always been geared toward veterans and that's why it releases every Veterans Day. Uh, you know, and they're it's sort of like supposed to be this homage. Um, so they decided, you know, let's, t let's put this spin on it and do an anti-war sort of take. Or we're not glorifying it. 
Oh, Which World at War definitely was the first one to oh, start okay. to stop doing that. That um, Call of Duty Four, in in some respects too, but like very much like any Call of Duty before that, clearly very propaganda. -y. Even like strangely enough, when you're playing as a Soviet, you feel like you know. Which World at War does again really <laughs> well, but it also has this twist of like, it might be due to the gore effects or the darker storylines. Um, yeah, I vaguely recall that one. Um, I believe there was where you had to kill like a dog and sneak through a village or something. Snipers were um, around. Um, that, that could be several. I haven't played it since. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fair enough. No, yeah, this game fucking kicks off. World at War kicks off with your man being tortured by Japanese soldiers. And you went and it's like... That just sounds like a like good that, use of your you know, night. You start his mission. You start the second character, the Russian guy's mission, by like in a potty, in a pile of dead bodies in a fountain in the middle of Stalingrad. Very, which is very much like a recreation of a pretty famous war movie enemy at the gates. Anyway, irrelevant. I've always enjoyed Treyarch games. And Black Ops... Uh, we've been playing specifically Black Ops Cold War, which I believe was released... Uh, in between the Modern Warfare 1 remake and the Modern Warfare 2. See, there's so many. I don't really... I kind of vaguely recall that one being mentioned. I think I can see the cover in my mind. But yeah, I mean, hey, as long as you enjoy it, this seems like a good era for a Call of Duty yeah. game to go back and If you to. have fun with the campaigns and the Call of Duty games like I do, um, you know, the story, it's Call of Duty, so it's very, like, ridiculous. But the first time that I've seen a Treyarch game sort of tied directly into... The Infinity Ward side. Uh, you know, oh, right, right. Um, the two different you'll, companies. You'll see, like, two ba like, bad guys in their younger form in Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which is cool. Obviously, being a Black Ops game, it deals with, you know, covert government activities. Like, you know, the first Black Ops game has to deal with Project MK Ultra, which is, like, infamous, Ooh. right? Like, the... the yeah, the LSD attempted yeah. mind control thing. I have a book on that actually. On number stations, um, for Black Ops. Oh shit! I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you know, I, yeah. I heavily recommend the campaigns of, of World at War, and the first Black Ops at least. The second one's pretty neat. Um, I love the second one for its Avenged Sevenfold music video at the end. It's just great fun. I mean, can't knock it. I do like some yeah. Avenged Sevenfold. You know, this is uh, somewhat uh, after their, I would say, peak, but still, like, I, I'll always I'll always respect them. I mean, I'm not knocking Eminem, but they're still using his song Soldier for fucking the new oh, Call yeah. of Duty. No, so. some songs just fit. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this new zombie mode's a lot more fun. Everything's, it's pretty much like a good 70% of it you'll recognize if you've played zombies. You're like, okay, I recognize this, but now there's objectives. I don't just play till I die. Now I can, like, leave. I don't have to die. Okay. I can appreciate so, that yeah, a lot. it's neat. And, um, yeah, really cool. Actually, what's funny is some at some point during World at War when they kept, they would release periodic DLCs or more zombie maps and stuff, um, they decided to actually do somewhat of a story. It, and which goes into Black Ops, the Black Ops games as well. But it's just been fun to sort of, like, replay that. Um, other than, you know, that, you know, that's been taken up as far as, like, sit down and do stuff time. That's been taken up a good amount. I haven't really been watching much, though. You, uh, you have a bigger knowledge of Call of Duty no, than I dude, thought. No, um, dude, 
I love Call of Duty. I've always I've always enjoyed it, and I've always really enjoyed. For for one, I love history. For two, I love right, military things. It's always been interesting. For three, I, I love distrust of government. So like that's why like I enjoy that with Call of Duty because it's catering to me. Three J, what are you happy. talking about? Our government. The government is not to be questioned. They're doing great. Uh, by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the U.S. Army. <laughs> all you can be an army of one. Uh, all, all that. You, too, can help make propaganda war movies with movie studios if you I'm wish. I'm waiting for the Starbucks propaganda commercials. I want a Starbucks commercial shot in the start of like, those early 2000s army commercials. Because that shit had like, oh, white God. teenagers amped the fuck up back in the day. Like close-up shots of like pouring the coffee instead of like yeah. the mud flying up and everything, and like Barisa's not yelling at like a drill sergeant, but yelling someone's name. Like, you're, coffee. you're telling me, Jack. 13, 14 year old you has never been sitting there playing Call of Duty with the TV on in the background. A commercial comes on, you hear the song. Oh, I know what you're referring to. I'm just trying to figure out what the and, coffee version. And of no, that would you be. just you look at your Call of Duty game and you're like, I, I'm a good American. Well, that exactly, no. I've never had that scenario. Uh, man, yeah, no. Uh, Military, man. I, I was a sucker for that stuff, like the SOCOM games, you know. But still, yeah. even without I mean, that in, in America's Army. But still, I maintain, I'm able to do that as far as, like, I love history, right? So I think a lot of biblical stories yeah. are cool. Oh, yeah, I definitely but know. For a lot of people, I mean, they don't want to hear it because, you know, for their various reasons. But I'm able to separate that. Say, listeners may not be aware, but you are quite a bit yeah, of a history no, I, buff. Look, I, I I like to make weed, dick, and fart jokes as much as the next guy, but nobody wants to sit there and be nice. Hey, actually, um, the pyramids, they're, they're not actually on those grid lines. Nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants an exact... There used like, to be a phrase back in the constantly. 90s we would say to somebody, beginning with the word shut up, and that was created for people like me, so I had to change. Even the kid the knew. Even, even the kid knew who I was talking to. But no, um, um, I think that pretty much wraps it up because I'm trying. I've been trying to stall to see if I can remember um, any, any anything, anything watchable because I feel like I did watch something recently, but apparently, fucking not important enough to remember. So, Can't how about you, sir? Well, I'll keep it a little, a little no. short and simple. So I watched. Okay, like it's gonna it. be a long I one, like folks. It Strap in. Long and okay, joke. Big Al. Okay. Okay, so I've been wa- I finished the Deuce, which is an HBO show original, hmm. um, based in 1970s, kind of 80s New York. It follows James Franco playing two different brothers, uh, Frank and Vincent something. I can't remember their last names right now, but it's a concise show about the start of the porn industry in New York. It's seedy. It's got pimps in it. Method Man's one of the pimps, by the way. I know yeah, you yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Um, great show. Like I said, only three seasons. Has an organized crime arc. Has, I mean, I know it's about the porn industry, but in my opinion, maybe too much. Like, it's just a lot of nudity, man. Like, we get yeah, it. Yeah, but it, like, well, you said it's HBO, so there's probably a lot of male nudity as well. Yeah. It does do a good job of, like, hey, this isn't glamorous. Like, these people aren't having fun. They're being told to, like, thrust your hips up at, like, a 90-degree angle so we can see more. Okay, now turn to the sides so we can get a better view. You gotta balance your unspread vagina with flaccid penis. Yeah, like, here's how you, you know, they gave off, like, basic lighting instructions. Anyways, great show. Really liked it. Um, mm. Incredible. 
really well written. Uh, I think the acting is great. I really appreciate it. Like, I didn't expect as much organized crime stuff in there, which is mostly what I'm going to be talking about this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just ton of that so, shit. Um, Bookwise, question about it. Yeah, uh, or at least you know, a brief mention. I know we we briefly talked about it before, and uh, well, I mean, not not you know, on the cast, but uh, right. um, that's where I heard a lot of people referencing Michael Gandolfini back during uh, the announcement of his casting for Many Saints in Newark. Because, like, a lot of articles, they point to, like, the deuce. Yeah, I had to look up, like, who he was on the show, because he did not look at all like I remembered from fucking Minnie. Yeah, no, they, he's, he's you know, different. He, you know, older, so. I mean, I fucking hated him in the show. He did a really good job of being a shitty little, like, fuckhead that you just wanted to smack yeah. around. Like, that was his role in the show in the third season. He basically, not to spoil too much, but teams up in a, a brothel operation with his father. I mean, you know, make money. Make money, make money. money. Anyways, um, yeah, great show. Recommended. Only three seasons, so it's pretty easy to get through. Other than that, so yesterday, dude, I saw fucking Godzilla minus one. Minus one what? I mean, I'm guessing that's like the year. Oh, I was like Godzilla minus one, so the whole movie, there's no Godzilla, because, you know... The math is at zero. <laughs> the marketing is fucking intense because yeah. there's no Godzilla, so it's just like a whole movie about the you build up to Godzilla. You're about to see Godzilla <laughs> wrecking an entire city, but you're about to see a city just kind of wreck itself. It's invisible Godzilla. Kind of horrifying. No. So this is a this is a Godzilla movie that actually made me care about like the people in the movie, uh, where yeah. you felt like the real impacts of World War II and what happened to like the Japanese side of things. It follows. Uh, it's not too much of a spoiler because in the first few minutes, but the main character is a failed kamikaze pilot, which to me is a fucking success. <laughs> like, he, he pulled his plane over, he's like, oh, it's having issues. It was on, um, Odo Island or something, and he was like, hey, you guys need to go check this out. And they're like, yeah, the plane seems fine. Alright, well, I guess I'll go back in the air tomorrow. And then, like, Godzilla attacks the little uh, island, and only two people survive. And that's, like, how it kicks nice, off. pretty nice. It's the whole, like, beginning movie is, like, just shaming the main character. Like, wow, you're a fucking coward, huh? You're a punk. You couldn't do what had to be done to save anybody. We lost the war because of people like you. If you would have shot your run at Godzilla, he would have been dead. Like, it's just him constantly being like, yeah, you're not good that's, enough, that's you asshole. That's a hell of a thing to put on someone. We lost. Dude, he is. He is feeling it this entire movie. He goes through extreme PTSD. Like, like he he goes back home and... I, it, you could have yeah. stopped the nukes midair. It, but you get it. <laughs> Basically, one of the one of his neighbors is like, you know, if it wasn't for cowards like you, we would have won. I'm like, know. God damn, you wanted him to commit if suicide? It wasn't for the two nukes, it might have been for the third or fourth they were probably gonna do. Gotta, yeah, gotta be real honest with you. I don't think a kamikaze pilot would have made much of a difference mm -hmm. in that one. But yeah, it's it's very like serious character study with Godzilla being in there, and it still has like. It shows off a lot of the serious effects of World War II, the PTSD, and, like, the destruction, and oh, everything cool. around it, and then there's just this giant kaiju that's in cool, there. That's cool, because, like, um, a lot of, like, Japanese, it's Japanese, correct? A lot of recent yeah. Japanese, and, and Chinese, and Indian, and Russian, a lot of foreign movies, actually, like, production value-wise, amazing. And writing, amazing. This was under, the budget was under 15 million, and honestly, I like it more than any American I Godzilla really play. enjoy. I had fun with King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters was fun, I had it a great was, time watching the Monsters fight. It was about as fight. epic to the, like, you know, traditional King of the Monsters as, you know, 
um, Infinity War was to the comic book Infinity War. It was fun. But the difference both, for, like, this movie is that... Oh, sure, they're both fun. Like, these, the movies are fun for different reasons, though. Like, this one makes you care I, about the characters. I'm the type feel of like... that has fun with the 2000 or 2001 rendition. Oh, the, uh, what was it, 98? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. If that's it, then yeah. You know the one. I it think that was it, because I do remember that. Yeah, the one that everybody yeah, hates. I, I, I have fun with it. And I, I, I love the I've idea that it's not the, not the actual Godzilla, that it's uh, Zilla, I think they call it. I, I yeah, also I enjoyed the first Cloverfield, which, mark my words, eventually people will admit was pretty good. Oh, Cloverfield's awesome. I think people generally like okay, the first Cloverfield. Sometimes, like, the bandwagon takes a while to circle back. The, well, like, the Paradox yeah. was good, but just the only problem is there won't be another Cloverfield movie released anytime soon for people to say, you know, that movie was good, it was slept on. They'll say that eventually. Well, that's kind of how that it is with, with a GTA lot of games. 4, like, fall they out. did that with, like, any insert most games here. They'll... That's true. Speaking of GTA mm -hmm. games, you, you sly son of a bitch, yeah. thank you for the segue. So... We have both been going through the GTA games, starting with, well, not in the same order, but GTA 3, Vice City, San Andreas, and 4. Mm -hmm. um, I blitzed my way through the storylines of the uh, GTA, San Andreas, Vice City, and 3, because, you know, I think by the time I loaded in, with the exception of 3, I was like two missions in tops, but I just sat down and zoned in. I did not realize how obsessively I memorized all of these missions. Yeah, no, you start to realize that... Uh... When it's been about, it depends on the Grand Theft Auto. Like, I'm sure you played Vice City a lot. I think Vice City might be the one that I've yeah. played the most out of those. Maybe San Andreas, but I know I've beaten Vice City the most because it's just Ironically, shorter. the one that I've beaten the least. Yeah, yeah, that's why I think when we're talking about, I'm talking about three, which I've only beaten a few times. You're talking about Vice City. We can trade tips based yeah, off no, memory. Yeah, I memorized entirely three. Like you helping me fucking mow people down with a Colombian car instead of doing a drive-by shooting and shit like that. Or taking out the, uh, spank you bombers. you're starting to get Grand Theft Auto 3 really well is when the first island starts flying by. Yeah, I realized that when I play that game, I mostly stop after that, because I'm like, well, that was the Mafia storyline, I guess I'm kind of done with oh, this. There's a lot of great fun to the other storylines. Especially the phone missions. Yeah. Fun to My, that's true, actually. I want to go back and do the, uh... D-I-S-A yeah, was the last one? Yeah, I'm gonna go back and do his phone missions, because I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, his is great, and his actually, like, his out of all of them, I mean, okay, with at the end of most of them, uh, I guess, spoiler alert at this point, if you haven't played over a 20-year-old game. Yeah, if you haven't played a game that came out in Checks and Notes Yeah, in its development, they had to remove the Twin Towers out of respect for 9-11. Like, that's... Yeah, they, they realized that would have been a faux pas, luckily. It ain't like you couldn't. Fly it would have been the most Rockstar game thing for them to that do. Game anyway. Hell. Uh. <laughs> That's true. The fucking Dota with the sawed-off wings. No, the closest you got was uh, the flying car cheat. Yeah, I accidentally. So I was trying to play GTA 3 Raw, and I guess at some point, um, I just activated the flying cheat when I was like playing one long night. So I got back in. I'm like, why are the fucking cars <laughs> doing this to me? I had to deactivate it. <laughs> Fucking hate no, that thing, man. I was probably just there's just this anyways. charm to three in Vice City that actually aren't carried over visually, at least like the light trails I did enjoy. In the yeah, there is a different feeling to San Andreas. Maybe it's like the RPG system or the ability the to change clothes or like the I think variety the overall of cities. visuals in San Andreas, which I'm 
I have like the benefit of I guess we have the modern benefit of like the PC graphics and these PC versions that at least I've been playing but I noticed like for one all the graphics are kind of comparable they're not much better in San Andreas than they are in 3 um, they're a little bit smoother and there's quick, more like right? well not more there are facial San Andreas is a lot less like blurry and more crisp is how it yeah. is yeah and the crispness kind of takes away from it. I can see what yeah. you're talking about there. Yeah. But, um, no, man, um, so you've been playing, you played 3. Oh, yeah, fucking 3 is better than I remember. Um, again, I'm mostly focused on the story, so all the optional missions I kind of bypassed just so I could get the feel of it again. Uh, 3, by the way, when you, I mean... If you can remember the map, it's a lot easier For than sure. I remember. Um, especially, like, tip day one, learn where the Banshee is, you know what I mean? If anyone who's, like, wants to pick up three, for one, try to get the classic. I'm never gonna be on the side of the definitive, because even, like, I'm not gonna... It looks fun, but at the same time, it looks like there's a lot of things about it I'm like, you don't need... I'm sure one day I will find the cla or the definitives on sale for like ten bucks, and I'll be like, okay, today's the day I try these. But I don't think it's gonna no, be anytime soon. I mean, you know, download those uh, you know, certain mods, and you'll get what you're wanting out of the definitive edition with the classics. I mean, I've always preferred the originals. Nothing is gonna give me that feeling back as like driving around Idlewood, popping motherfuckers, trying to take the turf from the ball. Is like, I don't need an updated edition. Of no, that. what you need is you need to be able to go take. Territories from the Denang boys in San Fierro. Oh, that is a cool mod. Yeah, I'll no, give you that, that one. That is a fun mod, the Gang Wars Extended. And it also, sort of, you know, you, Grove Street family, speaking of San Andreas, uh, has a lot of allies, as you know, uh, in other, uh, like with the Aztecas, become an ally eventually. Yeah, in the story, they're allies and close friends. In the they open world concept, not as much. Maybe the tri like I guess the triads don't try to punk you out, but they're not down with you either, even though you're like BFS. Yeah, I've had triads try to shoot me, but not punk me out like the Aztecas. Or the Rifa. Like when you're working with the Rifa, dude, why are the Rifas trying to punk you out? They should be calm. The Rifas are the biggest yeah, punks in the entire they're, they're game. They're joke. They'll like have in terms guns of in their hands and you shoot one of their guys or even beat up one of their guys and the rest run off. Well, with guns. It is like I remember reading that when I was a kid. I'm like, yeah, they do run away more than everybody else. You're right. Like, they are. T if you shoot a baller in the head, most of them will run sometimes. Uh, yeah, but the Reef was like, ah, fuck so this. San Francisco Games, kidding. San Fierro <laughs> Soft. Uh, no. San Fierro so Soft. You beat San Andreas um, recently as well. I think you said you beat pretty much the three main entry. Quote yeah. I haven't replayed, like, Vice City Stories or Liberty City right. Stories. Uh, they're fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Games, though. I've been watching Vice Stories and enjoying it. That Empire mode is fucking yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, I prefer that to the gang. Like, there is a funness to the, the gang turf war, but it's extremely repetitive. I remember for Vice City Stories in particular, I had it uh, ordered off Rockstar Games for my PlayStation 2. And, like, I was a kid at the time, so my mom had to order. She's like, okay, here's the deal. Like, you have to study for two hours, and then you can get this game. Because it arrived today, but you actually have to, like, sit down and, like, read and try. I'm like, oh, no fucking problem. I actually read a book today. I gotta learn about science. You want me to do my homework? What the fuck? <laughs> get slapped five times for swearing. No, see, when, when it comes to the... There's a lot of nostalgia for our entire age group, I feel like, because... Um, 
for me, that was a game that my dad Everyone... would read and play, and he would let us watch him play a lot of the these games. Uh, so that's how I got into Resident Evil because my mom was a huge. Resident yeah, I was Evil too fan. scared to play them at first, but I loved watching them. Oh yeah, I watched my mom play them. There would be times where like a big monster would appear, and my brother and I would just run out of the room screaming like, "Ah, fuck!" <laughs> Terrifying. Because like back then it was PS One graphics, but it looked. Well, so I would real. get like stressed out in those kinds of games, and I would just pause the game and not want to play it again. But I wanted to keep watching. I wanted <laughs> yeah, to see I... what was happening because I I loved that part of it because I love horror movies, but actually uh, is that why people play throughs or watch playthroughs yeah. um i i'll i'll always be pro watching playthroughs we call them walkthroughs back in the day or let's plays all right so final one as we kind of alluded to gta 4 um you know it, it's darker than the other gta games uh it's probably my favorite yeah i mean i fucking love like First of all, it's dark. Dark as shit, if you guys haven't beaten it yet. Spoilers, but you can't have a happy ending in this game. It has realistic gangs in terms of, like, you've got the five families, you've got a little Irish crew, you've got, like, a bunch of street gangs. It it feels so alive in that city compared to, like, even fucking five. Yeah, it does. It's it's because it's very dense. Whereas, like, uh, F Los Santos is pretty dense, too, but I don't know. It's It's, the, it's just that New York vibe that they get, right? Yeah, I guess it is more true to form. Like, mm -hmm. New York is definitely a lot more compact, obviously. But, I don't know, something about 4 just feels more realistic in so many different ways. Well, uh, that might be due yeah, to I have... their uh, famed use of their Euphoria engine. Which was showed off in Red Dead Redemption as well, but just making, like, a physics-based world, it, it, could, uh, it brings about a lot of, like, realistic feelings, I guess. I know it might sound kind of dumb, but I know one of my favorite features of it is, like, in GTA 4, if you shoot someone in the leg or arm, they react as yeah. you shot them there. Not just, like, a yeah, blank statement. If, what's neat, and I don't know if any other nerds are out there, but if you just peek at the files, you see that bullets actually apply a force. Normally, you might be forgiven to think, like, oh, the bullet hits there, so it's like, oh, you damaged his leg 20%. No, it's not just that. It's, like, a force pushing his leg now, which is cool. It's not something yeah, it's that like most games did. Blowing off your Usually that cat. was animation tied. That's why in Grand Theft Auto, when you shoot them, and every now and then in San Andreas, you'll get where they grab a spot, or grab a spot, even though it won't be the right spot. They'll do, they'll react to a yeah. certain spot. You could see, like, the blueprints of, like, what they're trying to do in that one. Whereas in, like, 3 and Vice City, they tend to do that, that upper body jiggle they do. Right, that quick, ugh. <laughs> Which I do, I do love that about four. Every now and then, you might notice some pop in of those more traditional Grand Theft Auto animations, like the dead, the dead body anime, uh, pose from San Andreas. That happens a lot in four when you do those counter punches with Nico that kill him in one shot. They'll, oh, they'll yeah. ragdoll and then they'll pop into that and and do exactly the animation from San Andreas. You know, there's one thing that I find to be very funny in fours when you kill someone. Sometimes you'll see them, like, get up and readjust a bit and then lay back down. <laughs> I, yeah. I literally, like, executed Faustin. He fell off the roof and then got up and readjusted. I'm like, yeah. oh, hold on. And, then just... Ow. and the, the cops were great yeah, to watch. The NPCs were great. It's just... Four had a ni <laughs> nice vibe because, like, um, at the time when I played four... The only thing I hated about it was that, like, a lot of the things in San Andreas weren't in. And I'm talking about big map and stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, actual f gameplay features. 
like the skill system and all that stuff it seemed really system, interesting you know i guess they they did dating that was the only feature i can think of that transferred over there's no sort of like game yeah. features there's i mean they kind of had a clothing system but it was like more basic the clothes fucking suck for the yeah. most part until you can buy a suit gta 4 no point. yeah which i guess like it, maybe they intended on Nico being a very like stereotypical Eastern European immigrant. Yeah, well, especially because they mention it, or Roman mentioned, like, oh, it's just like home. You have all the people here. It's the same thing. So it makes sense that like they created their own enclave and the clothes would be the same. And yeah, I mean, I'm not stuff. doubting it was like that, but they, it's, it just seems like you could also. I want Nico wearing that hat with the tilt, the flat bill. I want him with that spinning <laughs> necklace with the oversized tee. I want him rocking with the dude. Let me throw a hoodie on my man. With the dudes in Bohan. You know, I'm sitting here with the Spanish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and they're decked out, looking. Fresh. Nico, Nico's literally the most down guy in Liberty City. When the game's done, he's like, "Yeah, I'm cool with everybody." Yep. The fuck? <laughs> Nobody wants to test my gangster. Are you fucking a, serious? A funny thing though, we came to a revelation when we we're on the subject of four, where. Which we could get into further discussion in a future episode, probably. We probably will. We always talk about Theft Auto possible. Yeah, we can make whole episodes about the it. Manny the Manny character from Grand Theft Auto 4. Very similar to the OG Lote character and premise in my mind now. Yeah, I can't stand Manny and I love OG Lote because OG, like you pointed out in our conversations, OG Lote is more like openly yeah. clownish, whereas Manny tries to be. Yeah, serious. even if you see the voice actor for OG Lote, who I believe he's he's either a voice actor or he's a musician, but either way, you hear him talk, it's nothing like OG Lote. Like, so he was doing like a ridiculous thing for OG Lote because like that was the tone. Yeah, that voice cracking. That was the tone pitched. for San Andreas, though. There was a goofiness to it. There was the. Right. A lot of goofiness yeah. to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, actually, compared to most Grand Theft Autos. Yeah, I would say the most goofiness I've noticed is in San Andreas. Just right actually, yeah, moments. you're right. Cause I, wow, yeah, you're, you are completely correct. Cause I was thinking about when I was playing the game or replaying it. Look how oh, I really loved it up until I get the jetpack, and then I'm like, God, this really goes off it the rails. Off but the no, rails it's kind of off the rails. I'll, yeah, you're right. The I mean, Grand Theft Auto's always been loaded with its movie tropes, but, like, they're so one-for-one one in San Andreas at times that, like, it's like, oh, this is a wacky take on that. Area 69. But, like, also, like, from the Sprunk billboard moment in San Andreas. God damn, the yeah. Come, uh, from that I remember as a kid I, I saw that, and I was... It's like, ah, oh, this shit is so funny, but I was so young that I'm like, ah, oh, what highbrow humor. humor of that era when San Andreas was made, just was more, it was more goofy. Everything, if you look at, like, a lot of the stuff, I feel like you'll notice, and I don't have any examples ready to ask for, but I'm sure if you look at it. A lot of the humor back then, that's like, I look at that as Chappelle show era. So. Yeah, it's a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Everyone's trying to have so fun. So then you have a next immediate um, era with 4, and when 4 came out, 4 is more, like, self-aware, not not as much self-aware, but more awkward. It's a, it, it, it shows how awkward it is. It's very awkward when you fight. It's very awkward when Nico kills someone. Because it probably would be in real life. So, Yeah, when you kill someone in the other GTA games, kind of breathe, pop, 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 they're dead. But every time, like, canonically Nico kills someone, it has an impact. He feels it. He kills Vlad, he's not happy about it, stabs the guy, he's like, well, it had to be done. Like, alright, Vladdy boy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Nico, he's a killer, but he's like, well, yeah, I and didn't come very, here for this. And it's done very, like, uh, what I've always liked about 4 is when it does, like, violence, it doesn't make it look, like, very cinematic. It's pretty awkward. Like, when he shoots Vlad or when you yeah. kill uh, Faustin. Spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't played this old-ass game either. <laughs> yeah, it literally has executions on certain characters, so it's like a stylized <laughs> kill. And it isn't like an over-the-top Mortal Kombat thing. You, know, you shoot a guy in the knee, then you the shoot The worry I have with 6 now. 4 and 5's graphic-wise, not, like, in my opinion, not that much different. Sort of like, yeah, I think sort of I like 3 and Vice four. City. Not that much different. But what 6 is what? doing, I don't know. if like was, Okay, we had the benefit of playing Grand Theft Auto 4's map in Grand Theft Auto 5. Through, through, you know, the RP server. Oh, but right, right, not right. everyone has. But that's really a great way to be like, you could, you could really see that the graphics can carry over. And it when you go back same, and play yeah. 4 now, especially if you're able to have modern settings on your Grand Theft Auto 4, it looks just fine. I mean, it, it obviously doesn't look as good as 5 in the respects to lighting and stuff, but it holds up. Well, a GTA... GTA 4 itself is kind of a darker game overall, but, but that's your point. Still like, old. literally. But I don't know if, like, you could put either one with six and some graded six. Either way. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's been a decade Sorry since to five. Go off the rails. So you're currently in four. Yeah. I am wrapping up the Elizabeth Taurus missions. Um, I met Packy, which is my favorite character in the entire fucking game. So you've been doing missions for the streets. Oh yeah, man. I who's your uh, quick side? Who's your favorite character Nico. in GTA Four? Okay, I love Nico's Packy. always been the best uh, character in Four for me. Uh, Packy's someone I never really think of when it comes to that question for some reason. I think the appeal of him is like he. Well, first of all, him and I, you know, both the youngest, we both did a lot of stupid shit. Granted. Uh, not nearly as stupid, but Packy seems like the kind of guy who's like, well, I can't hold my family together, it went to shit, but I can at least protect, like, the fucking kid sister, continue on the family business, and he's just trying to hold it all together. It also, like, reveals at one point that his brother Gerald beat his father to death. Yeah, no, he's a great character for, for some dark, reason. Yeah. Like, before, I've never really, like, and he's never entered my brain in that question. I've always, always leaned toward pro the protagonist, but no, he has a great... Great little deal going. I might also be a little biased, because, like, when it comes to organized crimes and, like, gangs in real life, the Westies, which is what they're loosely based on, might be one of the most fascinating cases of, like, organized crime slash street gang stuff. But Maybe that's you're biased thing. to Irish things. I think it'd mostly be biased towards the jewelry mm -hmm. guys, and then in that case. No, 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 you do look a little, little Irish sometimes. Oh, yeah, there's red hair in my family. Yeah, my brother looks just where. like dude from that one podcast that we talked about. Yeah. Andrew Santino, oh. yeah. All right, it's actually so anyway. disturbing. Yeah, I know. I've had the same thought. I'm like, wow, they look and very you know similar I'm going to say structure. a better-looking version of that dude. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, not to be weird about it, but that guy has, like, some he sort fucks. of weird... He fucks. I mean, not to be... Yeah, yeah he, he fucks. fucks. <laughs> Something about his hey, face. I, know I, don't know. Guys, Anyways. I don't know. No one knows your brother, but he's a type of dude where his face would be so red. I mean, redder than he normally is for a ginger fuck. If he heard us say that, is that not PC <laughs> anymore? I don't. I don't know. No, no it's just funny to like. I was just thinking about the fact that my brother also like has referred to himself as a daywalker. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, I'm a daywalker. I, don't, I can walk in the sun. I don't have freckles, but South I don't care. gave us a lot of ginger jokes. Uh, it really did. <laughs> South Park has done a lot for pop yeah. culture. I don't advocate okay. any serious bullying of people for shit that they can't control like that, but at the same time. Oh, no. You don't want to fuck with redheads. They have a lot of so uh, angry temper in there. To be like, I don't like redheads. What did? Ginger jokes. Oh yeah, it's such like a small group to be like, how oh, yeah. this fucking and gingers. It it's weird anyway. Like how like, many? Leon Kennedy, see? when I was a kid, was a ginger. Oh yeah, I guess he technically would have been more orange. Yeah, play Resident Evil Two again. The original, and you'll Fair be enough. like, oh, he's a fucking okay. redhead, and so is Claire. Oh, speaking about originals and OGs, you want to talk about the OG OG? Uh, Blood oh, in, yes, Blood Out. Yes, yes, It's, uh, a, yes, yes. So, on to the main topic of this episode. Um, I don't have as necessarily a quick summary for it, but I can try to wrap it up. You are more familiar with this movie. Do you have, like, a brief synopsis you can give the people? I don't know about brief, but I got a synopsis for you. Everything you do is pretty no. good, sir. <laughs> no. That's true. You take wicked long yeah, shits. It's IBS. It's hashtag right. IBS shits. <laughs> Comment down below IB, if you I, if you if you understand that vibe. Hashtag IBS shits. Anyway, I forgot. What, I, I know. Forgot yeah, we're doing a thing now. We were on. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I forgot we're recording a podcast because we're so used to bullshitting yeah, on Discord. No, uh, <laughs> just. We pretend we talk to people that listen to us. We pretend people listen to us. That's the great. Oh, I'll tell you. No, some no, we're. I, I, it's you know, it's called a. It's a uh, all right, remix. Wow, it's the remix. I don't, I don't edit these so, anymore, by the way. Unless you specifically you, have a time that in. for maybe, me. Maybe, maybe someone will like that little joke I said. When I always thought it was funny when someone stutters and then. Some yeah, some remix. asshole comes in. Remix. It's like, it's like grow the fuck up. That was hilarious. All right. So, Blood in, Blood out. Right. Um, classic movie. And I wish I should have pulled up the IBDM like I normally do. IMDb. You know, numbers, words, letters, things like that. I was gonna let it go. But what was your bullshit. question? Anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It is all made up. It's the beauty of things like Confucianism and stuff. You realize that things are kind of just made up bullshit, huh? So, <laughs> let me, uh, disrespecting an entire way of life aside, the Blood and Blood Out is um, a nice little gang epic that I, I don't know if it's, it's a gang film, it's a prison movie, and it's a cop movie all in one. So it, it's a movie about three cousins who sort of start off in a sort of like small time street gang early to mid 70s era um i'm sorry sir but i also would like to point out there's apparently an alternative title for this called bound by honor yeah because i looked up blooded blood out on imdb it came up as bound by oh, honor i'm not surprised um anyway the brief uh, synopsis. anyhow okay <laughs> so these three cousins are sort of like start off in this small little time street gang uh, in East LA, I believe. Um, yes, Vatos Locos. Called the Vatos Locos, the crazy dudes. And um, so they're they're very low level and very cop. I guess like if you want me to give you a good visual, um, I would say about Warriors era of gang. 
where... Uh, I'd say maybe a decade or so after, no? No. Huh. The Warriors always felt more like a 50s greaser-esque with their, the like, leather cuts like and knives. Um, anyway, huh. 79, 80, that time. But anyway, no, gangs back then, my point, it, it, guns weren't quite the focus of these gangs. It's very much like tagging, especially in East L.A., a lot of graffiti artists out that way. Uh, tagging up your turfs. If there was fights, it was usually like fist fights, maybe knives would be involved, bats. Every now and then, you'd hear about Yeah, you don't play, but... typically... Yeah, you don't typically aim to kill no, a person. Yeah, no, it was somebody did something super serious when that happened. But, you know, this is... You know, this movie does center around sort of that explosion of violence. Anyway, back to the synopsis. Three cousins in this little street gang, and they sort of deviate into different paths into their adult lives. So this movie sort of follows that. If you had to extremely nutshell it, um, that's the quickest synopsis I could give it without diving into it, which we're about to do. Okay, absolutely. All right, so um, this is my first time watching the movie, and I wasn't aware of it before you mentioned it. You described it as kind of like the uh, Mexican gang godfather. <laughs> I, yeah, I've heard it described like and, that for years. I mean, it's fucking up. dope. I gotta be honest with you. You know, we're gonna do a little time jump with this. As I said earlier, he straight up goes Michael Corleone. He just does. Yeah. It starts out, I mean, it spans about a decade, a little bit over, maybe like a total of 11 years, but it starts out in 73, and it's just, uh... Sorry, I actually took notes out with the and everything. So the film opens up following our main, I guess one of our, we'll say one of our three main characters, Miklo who is a visibly, uh, he's half white, half Mexican, visibly looks white, though, blonde hair, blue eyed, pale skin. Um, he, he, he moves out to East, Al East Los Angeles with his mother after beating up his dad uh, for being racist and, you know, hitting him and, and, you know, he's just being a piece of shit. So he beats the shit out of him and goes back home to where his mom lives in East LA. And you could get a sense quickly that Miklo grew up here. He's been... Yeah, he's got his friends there. He's hanging out. Like, he reconnects with his uh, yeah. cousin, Paco. Paco and Cruzito. Um, Cruzito's, at the time, I think he's just working in his dad's auto shop and painting cars, mostly. Uh, Paco so, yeah. doesn't really do anything. He kind of, like, coasts off his reputation of, like, some Golden Gloves boxing matches he did. Yeah, he was referred to as the Black Rooster, I believe, with a 13-0 record. Right. So you have Miklo sort of coming back to this, and they obviously, they pick on him uh, for being, because he's white. And um, this sort of gives Miklo a complex. It's where it's like, I gotta go above and beyond to prove. And he makes it, he's a bit easy to be manipulated by the older cousin Paco. Yeah, it is a big theme in this movie, is that, like, people want to be like Yeah, Paco. well, it's that, you know, people want to be in these sort of gang lives and any sort of criminal life. Obviously, you want to be, like, top dog, big dog. And the, that's right. the sort of vibe everyone does. But the approach that, that people take, and I've noticed in these sorts of movies, is, like, well, if they're loud about it and visible, they might just be the most intimidating in the room, but they might not be the smartest, which is something Miklo uh, proves. And his own yeah, something about spider yeah, too. Yeah, a different kind of spider. This spider was not okay, spider. <laughs> Why? I thought no, you said I, I was okay, said, spider. you fuck with my familia? Okay. So, <laughs> oh, you know what? My favorite moment briefly, and it was an awkward moment in that scene, is the way that the actress, is, he says it just like this. Fuck these other vatos, man. Just like... <laughs> 
and it always really threw it out. Because I'm like, why do you say it like that? Relax. Maybe it was like we only have enough film for one take, or like, hey, this give me the next Flanders accent take. Just you know, very like scootily do. Yeah, you know, very like pronounce everything clearly for us. But no, um, um. So what do you think of uh? So Miklo obviously has this complex going on, right? He wants to prove that right, he's down. Right. Yeah, maybe. A little too much. I don't know. He's clearly trying to prove himself He's to an extreme extent. To, uh, so Miklo, you know, obviously looking to seek his cousin's approval, especially of, as we said, Paco, the older cousin. Um, he's wanting to sort of impress him. So how do you do that? Oh, we noticed this other gang is tagging our turf. Let me act. Oh, can I, can I talk yeah. about this scene real quick? So Miklo was coming up and he had this pipe while uh, three guys were mm-hmm. hanging out in the car. Now, my first thought, because they showed, like, the driver's elbow resting in the car, I'm like, wow, Miko's going to fucking bust oh, that dude's elbow up. Good, right? <laughs> no, they weren't even that deep. Yeah. He just busted out the back of the car, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that ain't bad, I guess. Yeah, it was just about sending a message. So, and, and for Miko to do that, you know, Paco kind of riles him up there. Because Miko's like, what the fuck, oh, yeah. their, little, their little tag is here. And, or, or, you know, I think that that took place specifically a couple hours before the pipe smashing bit. But, um, yeah, they noticed the other gang there that Miko was, ups- Miko was upset about. So he's like, why don't you do something? And you want to prove you're badass? So he does it, gets a little bit goaded so- by Paco. And as you pointed out, he just smashes the windshield. So... Yeah, no physical violence and just against Just to segue each other. into things coming up, the other cousin that we haven't mentioned much, Cruzito or Cruz, he's the uh, voice actor for Caesar in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. And in this uh, movie, he's more like a bystander that just hangs out with his cousins. Like he's, he might hang out with the guys, you know, but I don't think he's like he's tatted down, up. He's down. got the uh, yeah, he's got that Is tattoo he? that they cut off. He doesn't do shit for most we, of the guys. We don't know movie. what he did. He might have been uh, blooded in or born into it. Um, that can happen. I knew he was like an artist, and I figured they kind of treated him and respected him as like a separate, like, hey, you can make it out, so don't yeah, fuck no, it up. Yeah, no, they was, you know, they was piggybacking a little bit, you know, but the way their gang uh, okay. worked is it wasn't like anything maniacal or anything. They were just all friends. It's just... That's true. It wasn't that's anything why modern. you also <laughs> saw Tuco with Cruz a lot. Or well, I'm sorry, what was his name in this? Chewy. Name was. Oh yeah, Chewy. Okay, reckon? yeah, I couldn't remember the guy's name. That was Tuco no. from Breaking Bad. <laughs> God, yeah, I mean, I've only seen Breaking Bad once or yeah. twice, but no, yeah. I mean there were a lot of people the that I Bruce like recognized. Heroin with, movie. with the bandana. Tuco. Movies. Yeah. A lot of heroin. This movie's thirty years old. Dude, That's yeah. why, like, even Danny Trejo, I'm like, God, you're Think a young motherfucker. Bob Thornton being Rames. <laughs> All. The- Really starts yeah. to cast. So, um, anyway, um, they have this cousin Cruz that we haven't mentioned much. Cruz is a very talented painter and artist. He seems to be um, entering into some sort of art scholarship, I guess, or art. I, I... Yeah, he got money for a scholarship for the something school of design. Right, his paintings are like renowned and everything, and you know they're drinking and everything. Miklo's getting tatted up. Because uh, this gang likes to wear their tattoos around their uh, the webbing of their, I think it's their right hand. Yeah, it's like, I think the right hand between the uh, thumb yep. and forefinger. Thumb and uh, index finger and 
Um, they're celebrating having a good time. And, you know, the younger cousin goes out with a young lady in private in a car. They, you know, drive out somewhere private. And uh, this is where the other gang decides, you know, we're going to get revenge for my windshield. And we're going to beat the living shit out of this guy and smash his back on a fire hydrant and cut his tattoo off. That should be good, right? Flash That's not escalating hands. things. No, that's not. That's and then not we're gonna leave much. him alive and run off. Just so they know, we mean it's business. Like, dude, you just elevated things so much, Mister Spider Man. You could have just kicked the shit out of him. That would have been Spider, fine, Mister Spider Sir. I think you're gangbanging wrong. I don't know, Mister Spider Senior. East don't LA do this. Back in the seventies, <laughs> gangbanging wrong. There, you are following the manual incorrectly, sir. Yeah, so maybe sir. the manual wasn't written yet and wasn't published, so not enough. You should have beaten his ass, and then they escalated, and then this the is book the book of game was written after the fact. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, that gang escalates things. Uh, see, uh, crew survives, but his back is broken in a couple places, from what I remember. Yeah, they. I mean, they at least like fucked up his spine a little bit. Like and he had to learn how to basically walk. Can't go out like that. Bitches. So what happens almost immediately is they go out. They're gonna ride. Dude, this this plane was so fucking smart. <laughs> yeah, they just go out. We're just, we're just gonna find these motherfuckers. We got this gun. And uh, no, no, I'm talking about like. Oh, oh I was sorry, gonna lead God. into it. I was gonna go ahead and say the yeah. quote that uh, Paco's got some poison for a spider. I think that's what he said, right? Got some poison for a spider. Oh, fuck, I missed that one. When he takes a gun from Chewie. So they go out and set up this pretty big plan, which uh, which is a fun, a great scene. One of the most like recognizable scenes of this movie is what's about to go down with the gangs. And um, yeah, I was just wondering if you had anything to say at this point. That's why I was stopping. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, I really enjoyed the characters up to this point. I really think the development's wonderful. I mean, you really feel for Miko, Mi Mi Miko, Miko. Niccolo. Okay. I had a hard time because I was watching it on YouTube and the caption, closed captions weren't doing no. shit for me. If you, um, if you don't yeah, understand Spanglish, it's, it'd be hard to follow. Yeah, I really don't. I'm as Midwest as it fucking comes, unfortunately. But um, now it seemed like you really get a feel for the character. You see, like, he, you know, things escalated at this point well beyond what he probably expected within what, I don't know, maybe like a week, a month of him arriving mm -hmm. back home. Mm -hmm. Like, very short amount of time. So then it escalates to uh, this next Yeah, scene. so, you know, we see this other gang. I forget their name. What was that gang name? I don't think... They said it. I don't think they, they were did named. did, because, like, uh, a, you know, a dude later on in prison mentions them, them by name. So uh, I was trying to keep them whatever, Mira like Spider, it. and he showed him the tattoo. Uh, anyway, it don't matter. So the, uh, the gang... Yeah that Smash Cruises back is out there partying and drinking. They're like, oh, this is our new territory now. And I believe that's the same hill that they got Cruz at. Yeah, they really thought yeah, they played that like, shit. You know, we beat someone up and this is ours now. We ain't got nothing to worry about. So, um, the, uh, Vato, the Vatos Locos. I like saying it like that. The Vatos, Locos. the Taco Bell's Vatos Locos. I know, I was really thinking about Taco, Taco Bell, but I couldn't Tacos figure it out. Locos. It's, it's just our modern American white whiteness. 
Yeah, we just we really fucked it all up. I could go for a Dorito. I could go for some non-Mexican Mexican some food. Some food. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> uh, the, the Vatos Locos are sort of uh, hanging out. Uh, they're sort of like stealth mode, right? Everyone's creeping up on this hill while the other gang's celebrating, drinking loudly. Um, and then suddenly they spring out and get the jump on them a bit. Um, a small scuffle starts to ensue, but then um, Paco calls out a man with a shotgun to sort of, like, get everyone to sort of focus up. Zavato's Locos sort of want to say, like, we ain't playing. We're, you know, this is real. You, yeah, you Paco even back. calls out a... You cut off his tattoo. This is serious. So he calls out Spider, as we've joked about him. As we said, is not a is not good Spider. No, not a good spider. Good. He's not a good spider. He's not a Charlotte no, Web spider. No, he can't even dance. Uh, from what we understand, we didn't get to see it, but he, he could have danced with the lady at the party at the, on the top of the hill. So Paco sort of, like, pulls out a... I forget, is it, is it, a, is it a flip out, or is it an actual, like... Um, no, it's like a butterfly Okay, yeah, knife. it's a butterfly knife. He, okay. he does the whole thing, flipping around, showing it off, like, hey, what's it's up, you fucking a minute. go? I couldn't remember <laughs> if it was, like, a, even a straight razor. You know, I couldn't remember. But yeah, right. he pulls out a butterfly knife, and he starts uh, cutting up Spider a little bit. He's not really, like, sticking him too yeah. bad. He sort of, like, slices his face across his, like, stomach area, I believe. Little, little, little bit before that. Um, basically, he calls out Spider. He's like, hey, Spider, one-on-one, you want to fucking go? Come on. And that's when, like, Spider and his gang runs off, wow. and Spider goes down a hill, and they start, like, tussling. And that's when he starts getting like carved up I'm with the, uh, the logo. Now. So when the, when Paco's gang yeah. comes out, the other gang doesn't immediately run. They sort of stand their ground a bit and they 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 share talking shit. Um, they first notice Miklo. I think is what it is. The gang. Otto's... Yeah, he pulls up to the gate that's blocking the lot and starts like sorry, drawing their attention. Sorry, I'm remembering yeah. now. So they're partying on top of the hill. They don't see the Vatos Locos. And all of a sudden, what they do see is Miklo pulling up with a tire iron yelling at Spider, angrily banging like a, a metal railing, like fence thing. Yeah, it's like a tire iron against yeah. a gate. Being basically, a loud noise. A They're all laughing and watching him. Uh, and that gives the Vatos a chance to sort of get the jump on them. Yeah, they sneak up, start beating down people, and, like basically get to the point where they have guns yeah. and got Spider in his crew. There's a little shit it. talking, because, like, as you pointed out, Spider and his crew really kind of stand their ground a bit till Paco's like, let's fight one-on-one. Yeah, just Spider and, then, and Paco. And then, yeah, like, ah, Spider fuck. tries to talk his shit, but when like Paco's like yelling and communicating, you know, I'm not fucking around, then Spider shows his true self and screams like a bitch, Vamos! And they run. Yep. <laughs> Does not go no, well for Spider. I think his other people might have gotten away. Paco, Paco <laughs> yeah, you know, he kicks his skates out from under him, as we used to say back in the day. Uh, fucking Milko basically like ties up Miklo, ties him up, and uh, Spider, not Spider, goddamn Paco starts going to work with the knife. Mm -hmm. And essentially, what happens is like, you know, here's what I find to be interesting because I thought about this just before we were recording. Um, Paco was about to blow Spider's head right the fuck off. Yeah, right no, there. he's he's probably he's probably gonna splat him up right. There. Yeah, that would have saved every issue that happened afterwards. But that would have made Paco <laughs> accountable, and he's not accountable at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, fucking Miklo basically stopped Paco from committing, mm-hmm. like, straight-up murder, which then indirectly led to the rest of the events yeah, of the entire because, movie. Yeah, because, you know, they spare him. Uh, Miklo, as you said, talks Paco into sparing him. They go to leave, you know, they, they're celebrating as they run off back to the cars. Spider decides, since his ego's so hurt, that now's the time to shoot at these guys, even though, like, I believe at least four of them had yeah, there were shotguns, there was at least yeah. a revolver. So, yeah. this dude goes for, like, a little six-shooter that he was hiding under his wheel while I'm like, I'm gonna shoot at these guys. So um, he funny. does, unfortunately, land a shot on Miklo in his stomach area, causing Miklo to shoot back with the gun that he took from Paco. That, formerly saving Spider's life. So that gun was meant for him. Yeah, it's true. The bullets were like, no, yeah. no, we have to enter this man the gun one way or the other. was gonna happen. I'm gonna it, he doesn't have a choice. Because that's, of the that's the poison for the spider. Anyway, uh, it was milk. Uh, so anyway, Mr. Milk, so, uh, yeah. he dumps off into spider, um, which he does, like, st- shoot spider once and it lands, and he sort of gives spider a minute for whatever reason. And spider's like, oh, I'm going to shoot again. So Miko's like, all right, bitch, let I me really take the second shot. And it also lands, because apparently out of anyone handling a gun in this movie, Miklo and um, Paco, at some point, are the only ones that know how to use guns, I guess. I don't know. Spoiler, I guess. Uh, rumor has it that John Wick actually learned his skills from watching... Miklo I don't know, I've never movie. seen John Wick pistol snipe. But I haven't seen... I don't... Uh, John Wick, man. That's a great... John Wick. The John Wicks are pretty they sweet. Just but anyway, like, It feels like a hay, hay fever dream sometimes. Um, Miklo, as, we, as I was saying, dumps off into Spider... Pops his bitch ass. And at this point, Spider falls down because he's been shot twice by Miklo. And um, Miklo realizes he's dead. Screams no, which I've always taken as like, Miklo's never really intended on hurting anyone. Yeah, he didn't want to kill the guy, but it, that's why like he kind of hesitated at the second shot. He's like, ah, fucking come on, he man, stop already. He was outwardly violent. Like, even though he beats his dad's ass, like, his dad had to hit him and say some that's- racist shit to get him there. I was gonna say, if you get your ass beat by one person, like a parent or an older sibling for years, then you realize, oh, I can actually fight back? Like, you're gonna See, take that chance. a big part of this, I mean, obviously, which I touched on a bit, um, you know, if, uh, to play on, like, that scene with his dad, um, it's like, why should Miklo care? He looks white. And it's like, well, there's a thing. He's white passing don't mean he's white. He's mixed. So as, uh, as someone else, I feel that. I understood that part. So, like, I can't imagine my dad, because, you know, he's the native, but, you know, I could imagine, like, you still gotta, you still gotta represent, he's still representing dad, you're still talking shit about your son, when you're saying that racist shit. Uh, not, not that the dad would care, because obviously, you know, he smacked him no, down. No, absolutely not. He's, you know, Miklo had to get there, just like with, like, when he smashed the windshield. He wasn't, like, he could have smashed his elbow. It was very vague as to what Miklo was supposed to do. No one's, no one's told him what to do. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was putting myself in that position. I'm like, I'm gonna crack that fucking elbow so he can't yeah, hit me with that arm. Yeah, you would it up right then and there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I, was, I, I blame Gangster Rap. Gangster, Gangster Rap made, made me do it. it. Uh, Ice Cube made me do it. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Spider's dead. Uh, Miklo's shot. So they get in the car, they start driving off. Hey man, we got to get you to and fucking a hospital. Cool police chase scene ensues while they're on their way to the hospital because obviously gunshot police coming um pretty cool police chase ensues i think i liked it 
Um, yeah, you know, they eventually crash the car, and everyone needs realizes they need to split up. But Paco's refusing to leave Miklo behind because Miklo's so injured he's unable to like get out and run off. And even Miklo's yeah. like, "Hey, Miklo get the fuck tells out him go, go," and he's like, "No, I'm not leaving." And then you know the cops pull up and do the whole shebang, and the scene ends. And next time we see um, Miklo, is he is in prison. Yeah, he got shipped up to San Quentin. Quentin. One of the roughest prisons ever in America. And basically, I mean, even the, I, I'm sure most people probably caught it, but like even the intro scene where you go by and slide by like the different populations of the prison, you see like everyone's segregated or working out with each Which other. Which is sort of like, I mean, it's always been like sort of the thing about Quentin outside of like, I guess like the Johnny Cash era. But, uh, you know, very racially segregated. A lot of the prison gangs are just completely biracial group. Right, you're already getting a feel for, like, what's going on in the mm-hmm. prison and how everything's kind of split up as you're viewing it through the eyes of uh, Yeah, Miklo. Miklo, you know, as we've touched on, he's half Mexican, half white. He looks white, though. He just looks white. So, and culturally, he's not white at all. He's Latino, and he fully identifies with that, with his Mexican heritage. So, he's in this awkward spot where he's trying to sort of, like, avoid the Nazi group because, you know... He, he he can't relate to any of that at all. He... Yeah, and it's very clear, like, they're basically trying to, quote-unquote, recruit him. They're like, hey, man, you should come up here to this tier, come hang out with the AB. Like, because there are times where he's basically getting, for lack of a better term, hazed by the other guys. They dangle him off of, like, a tier, they give him shit. There's Popeye, who we can get into in a whole other discussion. But, like, he gets a lot of shit Look the moment at, he enters. The character from the beginning of the movie, you just by his mannerisms, the way he talks and everything, not just his accent, it's everything. The way he dresses, talks, and carries himself. He has a very, like, East Los Angeles, Hispanic, you know, Mexican thing about right. him. And he's, you know, some I've had people like, oh, I don't want to see a white guy act Mexican. Well, that's the thing. The character himself is Mexican. And the actor himself is pretty significantly part Mexican. So, you know. I mean, it's a realistic yeah. portrayal. What I understand, what the director slash writer, and I wish I could remember his name, he, he himself is from a background dealing with East Los Angeles gangs. And Jimmy Santiago, I'm going to fuck up this last name, Baca? Baca? B-A-C-A? I ain't going to attempt it. Yeah, I don't, no, don't want to be I the guy who, I, I, who I, fucked it up, so... I slept through Spanish in school, guys, because I didn't need to pass. I was a fucking terrible student. (laughs) Anyway, so there's a lot of... He made sure there was as much authenticity as he could, I'm sure, on his own. That would be his baby. Yeah, apparently it's somewhat based off of his life. He's done a lot of other movies, it seems like, that are kind of focused in the same genre. But anyway, so you have Miklo sort of being taunted by the... by the, uh, I guess they call themselves Aryan Vanguard, is the name of their uh, not-Aryan Brotherhood gang. So that's the thing with a lot of the gang names. Some of them are very close to the actual gang they're literally based on. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, no free free publicity for you, ABs. You're now the AVs. Alpha Vic. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's because, I mean, I'm just theorizing on this part, but, like, Someone who was a part of the team for American Me um, inaccurately depicted a member of one of those gangs and got murdered for no, it? No, I mean, you know, hey, protect your, protect your neck. 
Yeah, so they're probably like, hey, we're just gonna change the name As slightly. As said, protect your neck. So, yeah, anyway, uh, he also s finds a way in to sort of, like, uh, be uh, with the Hispanic uh, prison group. Um, and uh, we're introduced to a magical character named Popeye. Oh, uh, boy. So Popeye at first offers to show Niklo yeah. around the prison, like, hey, here are the different sets, here's how it works, this guy's a loan shark guy, he's backed by the AV, this is our clique over here, with Latinos, hey, let me walk you yeah, to well, your a, cell. A big red flag, too, is like, he's like, let me take you under your wing, let me take you under my wing, let me provide some things for you. I mean, that should have been a red flag, but, I don't know, maybe Nik maybe Miklo didn't know many men who went to jail growing up. I don't think anyone gave him that kind of insight. Like, at least moderately, we have tons yeah. of records of it. But I can't imagine it's as widely available or as no, easily sought out like once no you actually get tested. And nowadays, kids could probably get that sort of advice from any given YouTuber. Wait, what do you mean if they forcefully take your booty hole? What I don't do like that. you mean if someone's giving me free food that they expect something in return? You're telling me this guy's offering to walk me to my cell for no reason? Hold on. Nice. So, Popeye... Who, who who introduces Miklo to one of the members before the cell incident that is actually a gang member of the opposing gang that Spider was in. that And he knows Miklo killed Spider, words out. And he recognizes this character's name is Magic Mike. Oh my god, that was, that magic. was magic. Fuck. I did not realize that was magic yeah, that was in that magic. part. He scares Miklo. He's like, get out of here before I make you my bitch. So... Okay, I didn't the, catch that his part. His delivery personally. on some lines always cracked me up. He also feels like he could be... See, that's what we discussed, like, a bit before the show, is, like, these characters, some of them could be in Grand Theft Auto. And Popeye's one yeah, of them, and I, mean, I feel like Magic is another one. We're gonna get to another oh, one here soon, soon but very soon. That. I was gonna <laughs> mention him after the Cell scene, so... You know, that sort of gives... Meeting that other gang member sort of gives Miklo a vibe that... So this isn't about... What little street gang I was in out in the streets, everything's very racial here. So, um, Miklo thinking he's cool, he's got his in with the Hispanic gang, Popeye's gonna take him under his wing. Popeye's even walking him to his cell, as you pointed out. But Popeye makes sure to enter after Miklo, don't he? Oh yeah, yeah, he comes right in the cell with him. Ain't mm -hmm. shit free Shuts the cell door and immediately, pull, and immediately uh, shows Miklo down. Basically, he's like, hey, I'm either you give it up or I'm gonna fucking shiv you. And at first, Miklo, like, hits him with yeah. a sweet elbow. And that's when he comes up with a fucking shiv, like, alright, you wanna go that yeah. way? Yeah, and then he reminds Miklo, I got a shiv, by the way. Miklo's like, okay. So yeah. he's actually gonna stab Miklo at that point. Because Miklo's not about to just get ass-punked. Right. So they start, re like, basically, Popeye gets him to the ground. He's about to stab him in the eye when the fucking uh, shot caller, mm -hmm. Montana, comes in. Montana is very well put together, too. I've always thought that. Like, he looks... Some people just... And this is gonna sound strange, but some people look like they just smell good. <laughs> I actually... You know what? When you say that, I understand what you're talking way, about with right? Montana. He's so well-kept that you're like, yeah, that man has cologne. Like high-dollar tobacco smoke or cigar smoke. That sort of vibe. <laughs> I don't know. Homo Rogers on the side. Montana uh, stops Popeye from his own act of. I wouldn't call that homo just just a sexual assault. 
basically Montana's whole thing is like we don't do this to our own. Like we have enough fucking problems besides like going well, after each other. I don't think other. he said that at that point. I think at that point, no, oh, I think at that point they were just they didn't want pimping because at that point Popeye uh. sort of shows off that he's a bit of a pimp in that prison. Which what that means, and obviously an all male prison system is he has some male prisoners that he sort of, as you say, turned out. Yeah, there are a few of those that get in the yeah. confrontation with Miklo. But and they're, they're more embrace their feminine side, is the way to put that. And I guess Miklo has, he, in his eyes, Miklo just hasn't got there yet. Even though everyone is constantly trying to fuck Miklo. Well, I mean, he's a good-looking dude. <laughs> Be real, yeah. That's true, he doesn't have all the tattoos. Damien he's kind Chapa, of skinny. the actor name, he's a very good-looking guy. He's also known for playing Ken Masters in that 90s Street Fighter movie. Uh, look, basically, it's either him or Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo no. ain't giving it. No, and if Danny Trejo's gonna take it, he's look at him. He ain't stopping him. He's a beast. Yeah, this is him at his most exactly. most, some of his most beastly too in this movie. He's a member of the La Onda gang. So yeah, basically they stop it because they're really tired of Popeye's reputation sort of tainting theirs as well. So it's at this point they don't take Miklo serious at all. They still don't. They don't really take Miklo serious until a later scene with the AVs that we'll bring up. So, just in brief, Miklo also meets sort of some of the... Because Popeye's showing him the other factions. He shows him the... Um, I believe they're called the BGA. The Black Gorilla Army. Yeah. And he shows some of their leaders. Even interacts with one of them, Bonafide. Who's a... He's a beast of a man, too. He's pretty, he's pretty fucking big. On a thud, he's known he for his wonderful special comb. I mean, he's like sitting there. Guy. Literally, Pop, 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 pointed out, like, hey, you see the guy with the comb? That's yeah. on a thud. But yeah, you know, he shows him that group, and he also shows him the white group who pick on Miklo and stuff. Um, and you get to uh, you get to see the Billy Bob Thornton character, which is a you know you it, you'd be forgiven for not recognizing him. Even though, to be honest, I think to I mean, prepare yeah. for the role, they should just come as yourself. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> he just does that white <laughs> trash shit so well. We love you, BBT. Yeah, I, yeah, We're really. serious. Um, anyway, so Miklo's also introduced to this uh, white uh, character who's running sort of like the betting books of the prison. Big Al, who's working the lunch line at Big the time. Al. And, you know, we briefly discussed, but... He's he's very racist, horrible person, but he just has this delivery timing. And I, there, I'd like to point out too, like the way Big Al's introduced is he's running the cafeteria line, and he sees like the group of uh, the uh, Mexican you know gang members, and he's like, no, no, the guy over there, he looks white. He goes before all yeah. of you. And even though he's reluctant, he's like, hey, what are you gonna do? You gonna hold all of them up? Get over here. So the Mexican gangbangers. Force Miko Miklo to the top of the line so he can get food just so they can eat because Big Al is forcing that. Mm -hmm. So, so you get the sense of Big Al's. He's in this position where he's confident and sort of being, even though it's he has backup kind of not too far away, I guess, at the Aryan table. But he's confident enough in his position in the jail to openly antagonize high-ranking members of these other factions of these other gangs. So you get a sense that he's kind yeah, of an untouchable, looked at somewhat untouchable as a guy. Even though he's threatened by somebody. I think a couple of people. Yeah, so you have, uh, well, you have like the three main heads of the prison gangs just to establish it. Bonafide, who's with the BGA. You have 
uh, fucking not Pac- Montana, who's the head of the uh, Longo organization. And then you have Big Al, who's a AV. I don't even think Big like, Al's the leader of the AV. I think it's that like steroid guy, the bald guy. Oh well, I, I might be mistaken. No, but I he it was just him. was the earner. He was their high earner. It's a fucking yeah, big so, earner. Like, then. The highest ranking guy. There was like that Bronson looking guy. <laughs> What's his name? I don't remember his name. But he was like he was like just muscular and bald with a mustache. And then Billy Bob Thornton was always attached to his hip, sort of agreeing with him, like his little minion. But yeah, it was basically established, like, Big Al was definitely yeah. at least in a position to, like, antagonize an entire gang of people openly mm-hmm. and not worry about it. Like, people in his own gang owed him money. Yeah, he was a, he was the prison bookie. That's basically what he used to, like, get favors and keep mm-hmm. everyone in line. So, he, he sees our, bu- our buddy Miklo... And he's like, mm, I want a piece of that yeah, ass. Openly uh, fucking with him. Mostly, I always looked at it as also to fuck with Popeye, too, because he saw Popeye with him. Oh, yeah, it's like a one-for-one. One. He's like, well, I want to fuck him. Popeye wants to fuck him. I'm going to do it to spot, uh, spite Popeye. See, the thing, the thing about Big so, Al's angle on it, even ahead. though he obviously had the rapey angle, too, is he somewhat had a romance angle with it for some reason, too. Like He, he wasn't... Forcing it. He was like, yeah, you'll be ready when you're ready, but don't keep me yeah, waiting Yeah, he's wanting long. it to be... He's wanting to court Miklo before trying the other approach. What do you mean? Yeah, he's fucking prison. mistake on him, just him, by on the way. Head and he's yours. Just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? What do you mean you're not good We're at... always men? reference. It's always sunny whenever popular. So, anyway. Uh, I just watched that episode the so other day. Anyways. after Miklo is almost uh, raped, he's... um. He decides, I'm going to go approach Montana while he's by himself in his cell. And he gets grabbed. No, uh, slightly different timeline. He approached Montana before that. He was like, hey, I think I can get oh, close enough. Oh, right, play. after the lunch Montana gave him yeah. a contract, yeah. He was like, hey, look, I want to join. He's like, okay, we need someone who can blend in. You go to the AV, you go to Big Al, you warm up to him, Let and me, then you hit him. Let me break down a scene real quick before that. Right after the lunch line incident where Big Al's like, you can cut the line and everything. He, he tells everyone Miklo got the last pork chop. And so he gives no one a pork chop. Miklo comes over. He's like, I'm going to offer him my food and sort of thank him, I guess. And, um... Yeah, Miklo's like, this is my way to, like, integrate myself or show and a great, gratitude. A great they... quote from Montana. i sorry, I had to look it up. Was that... I couldn't no, remember word for word. But it's like, Miklo's offering his pork chop. He's like, I want to see if you want my pork chop. He's like, I don't want his pork chop. I want his life. And he, he grabs the apple firmly from his tray. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then they all sit scene. there and take Miklo's food from him and everything. And, you know, the scene sort of simmers yep. down there for now. Until later on. And then like, later that night, they have the meeting of the yeah, show with Montana. Miklo, and that's when he talks about, like, it's hey. It's a funny scene, too, because Miklo <laughs> approaches Montana. And the other guys are like, the fuck is with this guy? The, the people sort of guarding Montana. So they dangle him over the balcony. Of this prison, which I don't know why they would design a prison where you could do that, but I mean, I'm like, sure it's yeah, accurate, no, it was accurate, right? I'm just saying, there's like three, four floors on that shit. Just dangles uh, I, look, I've and never you been know, in prison. They're they're like bullying him a bit. They're making sure he's dead serious about what he's trying to do. About trying to get him. Yeah, and the whole time he's like, fucking, fucking, drop yeah. me. Go ahead, drop he me. I'm scared of dying. Them, so they sort of respect that. And Montana's like, hey, bring him up. So they, you know, they lift him up from the edge and come talk to him. Of course, you know, the Nazis are laughing at him and like, if you were with us, we wouldn't do that. I think he says that more douchey. 
He's like, that shit wouldn't happen if you were up here with daddy. This shit wouldn't, yeah, this shit wouldn't happen if you were up here on this tier with Fucking the white the, guys. The Nazi <laughs> actors are great at being unlikable in this one. But I guess, you know. You know, it's not hard to be an unlikable right, skin. I, I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've met any likable ones. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, that's the whole point. Like, if you're a skinhead, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, that it's guy. It's like, it makes you feel bad for any white dude who's balding. And then he starts thinking, maybe I should grow out my beard to compensate. And you're like, dude, don't do that. No, it's gonna work sometimes. Way more racist <laughs> if you grow your beard out and you're bald. Just don't do it. White guy to so... white guy. If you're balding, just be bald. Uh, you could be bald with a mustache, I guess. It's, it's better to look, you know, like that than to... <laughs> See, personally, I like the shaved head look, but it's I can only do it's just if you're shaved head with the big old beard, man, you're gonna look like a Nazi. I know, but it feels so good to have a shaved head, and I like having it's a beard. One or the other, homie. Yeah. So, essentially, you know, Miklo was like, "All right, I'm gonna take out this AB Big Al shot caller for you." Uh, and it ends up like basically bargaining down to that with Montana, and Montana's like, "Okay, before you do that, this is a detail of you got to read this black book," and he hands him mm -hmm. a Bible. And when he opens the Bible, it shows him where to stab someone yeah, to and, kill them. and, like, one of them explains, like, you stab him here, you know, yeah. This is slow, this is painful, this is gonna be quick. So, <laughs> really and, and another great quote, as he hands Miklo back the apple that he took from Miklo earlier, that he's still holding on to, um, he's explaining that, you know, to join this gang, you have to give us blood. And to leave this gang, you have to give us blood, so you gotta die. You kill to come in, you die to, if you want to leave. The only way you leave is dead. So that's where he says, blood in, blood out to him. You know. You love those movies, that was my Peter Griffin moment. It's like, ah, he said he it. He said the name of the movie in the movie. <laughs> so we, exactly. he's got this assignment given to him to kill Big Al, which, you know, is a coordinated effort. He has to pick his moment, and he sort of, like, notices Big Al on a failed attempt. Big Al's meeting with a uh, uh, corrections officer. Yeah. Oh, no, sir. That was not a failed uh, attempt. Well, yeah. So, yeah, basically I he got in there just like Big Al should have before. But I mean, like, in that... No, no. It, it yeah, but I mean, scene. like, in that moment, instead of, like, going in for the kill, he was, like, fixing oh, to go in yeah, for the yeah. kill, and he immediately stops and hides the shank, because he doesn't expect Big Al well, to be talking with a corrections officer in that moment. Exactly. Here, well, okay, I'll agree why it's successful. We'll go ahead and go through the scene real quick for everybody. Well, it's not yet successful, but it will be. I like to be a storyteller like that. You know, it's a failed attempt at that moment because he's like, "Oh shit, I can't kill him now in front of this cop." <laughs> so, and, and and up to this point, it's a very coordinated effort. You have um, at least the mem Danny Trejo's character, member of La Onda, willing to he pours boiling water on this dude's back in the kitchen sort of distract everyone. God damn, yeah. Which I that always sucks. fucking can't... I, I have to look away in that, because you know that has to fucking suck. Dude, it bothered me to see you it. You know like, your oh, shoulder good blades went back, and you were like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I felt it. What <laughs> like, the fuck? fuck? That would have to suck so bad for that guy. I'd rather that than... I'd rather be stabbed by Miklo. So, anyway... Well, I guess Miklo will clean your finger real good for you. I'd rather dump the water. So Miklo establishes rapport. I know we skipped a bit to the hit, but Miklo, in a previous scene that happens another day, sort of volunteers for the kitchen, and he's acting like he's sweetening up to Al. He's even working next to Al in the cafeteria lunch line, which Popeye notices as he's coming through. 
She, she looks a little bow-legged to me, Al. <laughs> Which always made me giggle. He's just jealous. That just was a fun line. Right, it's like, oh, man. And Nico, <laughs> literally in one scene when Al just tries to take it from him, he's, he sucks on his finger to sort of appease him. And I bet that scene was so awkward to shoot. Hey, so... Suck on his finger. It's like Do you gotta suck on it. Alright, take 28. And... <laughs> Just, I thought the other ones were take good. Take 312. And... <laughs> it's like, God, God damn it! I'm so tired of doing my, the scene! <laughs> this first layer of skin off my tongue is gone. So... <laughs> Three layers off yeah, his finger are gone. him clean, as he said. He did say that to him. He said he was gonna lick him clean. He doesn't want to say that. <laughs> so, Meekloak sort of, like, gets his trust in that way by this point. So he sort of like knows where like Big Al keeps his stashes and stuff too. Especially after uh witnessing where he hid his book when the when the policeman came in. Yeah, the CO was basically like, "Oh, mm -hmm. what the fuck? No one else should be in here. What are yeah, you doing?" Yeah, Big Al Big Al assures him and... he's like, "No, he's fine. He's fine. He's with me." And you know, the cops like what whatever and he leaves. And Big Al's real furious with me with Miklo. He's he's like, get the fuck out of here. And then Miklo's like, no, now's the time when I when I suck your dick. I'll make yeah, it up. Yeah, he leaves him up against the boxes, and Big Al's thinking it's gonna happen. Hell, that, I would you would be forgiven for thinking. Now this is the part where my part of the like my version of the movie cut away to where Big Al was just stabbed straight up in the heart. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that was cut out from yours. But no, what Miklo does is he—he's literally like he goes through the motions, like he's gonna blow him. He—he he he, you know unzips his pants for him. He's like, I want you to lean back and enjoy it. And when Big Al leans his head back, Miklo pulls out the shank that he had grabbed uh, from its hiding place on his way over to talk to Al when the cop left. And he stabs right. Big Al uh, twice in the heart. God damn, yeah, lets out like, a, like a noise as he's like bleeding out of his mouth and then falls down dead yeah. on top of Miklo. And I always presume that his junk hit Miklo in the face on the way down. I mean, it could have been a yeah. lot worse. But, you know, the hit's successful. Miklo takes Big Al's book and hides it. And he also hides the shake Hell as yeah. well. And basically, Miklo ends up becoming he's like able a jailhouse to stealth, he's able, I just wanted to say real quick, he's able to stealth his way away from Big Al, so he's not caught. He's nowhere near when when they find Big Al's body. Miklo's where he's supposed to be doing his kitchen duties when they find him. Like, Yeah, that is actually a good point. Like, uh, Nico, Miklo literally managed to like use the book that he took off Big yeah. Al to stop the door from locking. Yeah, and, and he also had the book in like, somewhere else where no one could find it. So he uses that as leverage against that guard who pretty much knows you killed Al. But I can't tell people because, you know, I'm corrupt and you'll reveal me sort of deal. So, Yeah, like if I tell people I know you're the one who killed him, I have to explain why it was there. See, when you think about it and digest it, when the cop confronts Miklo at his cell while he's, like, handing out books or whatever, and um, he's like, I know you got it, you little shit, and I'm going to find it. He's like, I don't think you will. I got it tucked away in a very safe place, and I got your. It has. I notice it has your name written in it an awful lot. So he's like, you know, he 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 shows the cop you're fucked, and he's like, you know what? Tomorrow I expect the extra pudding. 
the extra the, the yeah. line was something along the lines of like, "Hey, um, if you fuck with me, you'll find that note dropped in the warden's yeah. suggestion box." And like, "Hey, by the way, tomorrow can I get an extra dessert?" And he just kind of grunts you know and keeps Mika walking like, "Ah, f- I'm you fucking know that in. guy gave him some more bets. There is no Dude, I think it became his bitch, like, basically Big Al style. He just took the so spot suddenly, of Big Al. you know, you see this change of direction in Miklo's arc as his character. He's, uh, he's, um, moving up in the gang. Now he's the, now he's the biggest earner in the prison, but working, one of the biggest earners in the prison, but working for the gang. Working for La Onda. And it gets to the point where he's essentially, like, Popeye, the shithead from earlier, owes him so much money and he's about to get out that he's like, Popeye offers him a trade. Hey, if you take my name off your books, I can point, like, basically appoint you to the council and give you my vote. And so, of course, Miklo was like, all right, fine, your name's cleared. And Miklo gets, you know, inducted to the council of La, La Honda? La Honda? La Honda, I don't know how to say it. I only know how to, I don't know, I only know how to I don't say know. it because they say it like a thousand times in the movie. But, but um... Before we get too far with him, should we check in with the other cubs? Well, yeah, we could go ahead. This movie does spend a lot of time with Miklo, but it also shows you the arcs of the other cousins. So, uh, the next thing it shows, uh, it jumps to Cruz, who seems to be uh, coming out of a physical therapy office, I think. Yeah, he was basically going through a wheelchair, yeah, and like, you know, you can see he was messed up from the attack, he was working his way out, his back's all fucked up. And, uh, and he basically, also does mention that like, he's hey, enjoying the pain pills he's on. Maybe a little too much. We'll call yeah, it a foreshadowing. I could see that one coming. But um, yeah, so we also simultaneously get to see what Paco's been up to because he noticed he wasn't in any of the prison scenes. You're like, well, he has to have been in prison because yada yada. Yeah. So no, he shows up in a so, military uniform. A... Yeah, the surprise for Cruz was that Paco mm-hmm. was a marine. He went to boot camp, and it was that instead of jail, and he came out. Awful proud he was of him all of a sudden. In, in earlier yeah, scene, he looks like an actual. Slapped him. God damn, that's true. He really like did not like Paco at all. He really, sh- I mean, to be fair, Paco yeah. was a shithead. But then you just see like the total transformation, the shift of By relations. By the way, in that earlier scene at the garage where he sort of like you know punks out Paco, it's like, no, that dude's got some big arms, Paco. You should fuck you up, Paco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paco, don't do it. I know you're tough Paco, with your friends, yeah. but you can't be tough. He's got that old man dad He's stepdad tough. <laughs> He's worked jobs. You just hang out with your friends and look weight sometimes. So, um, yeah. So we get to see like Paco's like I guess he's on the straight and narrow. He's got his life turned around. They're sort of establishing, you know, Cruz is fucked up. He can't walk really unassisted. He's walking with a cane and stuff. He's taking a couple extra mm-hmm. pills to get taking by. Taking a couple extra pills to get by. And, um... His, uh... His, um... Oh, man, where does it go after that scene? I forget which way it goes after it. That's so basically, Paco catches up a little yeah. bit. Um... They hang out, blah, blah, blah. It, it basically does, like, a cut to the And then it time jumps again. So... The time jumps a little bit after that, but it's like basically it shows Paco. You know, I didn't know it was Paco at first. He's got the long hair. He's mm-hmm. doing a drug deal with a couple of women. He's like, "Oh, hey, what do you guys got here?" Yeah, let's get to business first. He's flirting with the women. It's 
a really like 50s-ish old woman and maybe like a 30s-ish woman and they're like hey have you ever had a threesome baby and they find a yeah. wire on them so it's real that Paco's a goddamn cop the worst oh wait a minute I'm Wait a minute, I'm sorry, did we... Oh, we did skip a scene. The funniest scene in the entire movie. So, it's when the artist was, uh, you know, painting, and it's you discovered he was doing heroin with his friend. Ah, uh, yes. Um... So, we didn't talk about the little kid this entire I, time. I thought that happened much later, to be honest, because I know what happened... No, I know what I happened forgot. before that, is there's a scene that establishes Cruz is sort of... And I thought this was after the time jump. That Cruz is, um establishing sort of an artist like some sort of business angle with this like woman that's his manager oh yeah that was well before the time okay so let's go ahead and jump into that before we go into the kid real quick so okay so basically the entire time uh cruise right cruise he was he became like this pretty well-known artist he was selling paintings he even had his own gallery that sold out Mm -hmm. at one point um his friends showed up they kind of got a little rowdy, so he's like, hey, I'm an artist, right? Let me go, like, can we get a little advance if we sold out? Let me take this money, we're gonna go out. And he hangs out with his friends, and he comes back totally twisted, shit-faced, Yeah, wrecked. visibly high and stuff, which, you know, his manager tells him, you know, your drug habit, your visible drug habit is going to ruin your career, which, you know, he doesn't listen. He just wants the money to pay off a drug dealer, which uh, is mentioned yeah. again. I don't, I don't, you, you could have... Oh, that's that the same up. guy, yeah. yeah I don't know if you knew that. But, God yeah, damn, I didn't know. He got into four Gs? Yeah. <laughs> that is a forgiving well, drug dealer. You know, he's, he was trying to get him, I think. He's trying to, like, trap him. Which is, you know... So, yeah, like Tony Soprano to proved... Davey in The Soprano. Yeah, that's like, oh, yeah. He's trying to bleed him out, out a little bit. So, um, yeah, I just, just, I just want to get into that. So... Going back to uh, the time jump, uh, Paco's a narc. It's established that he has run-ins with members of La Onda. Even, Even Popeye, Popeye yeah. He bumps into Popeye immediately after that scene while he's hosing off from the PCP that the lady <laughs> splashed on him. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Splashes him with a, a the gallon of PCP. Get the shit off me, get the shit off me. Oh, a whole gallon of PCP. I didn't know she was liquid form. Oh, she's with the drug dealer guy. Oh. Okay, anyway, so um, <laughs> he spots Popeye. They have a little friction because he's like, oh, Popeye was here to buy from her or whatever. Or he's a supplier. One of the two. Yeah, he was... basically. Or no, no, Popeye said it. Oh, okay, lab. so it was Popeye's lab, and he's like, that's the guy. And he chased him down, but he can't prove it, so he has to like let him go after they take him in. Um, yeah, basically, Popeye and his goons fucking get away after the lab. So busted. then, sorry, now we can come back to the artist. So we enter Cruz, the artist. What is his What is his art looking like these days? Not as good. I mean, he had a lot more photorealistic art to begin with, but lately it became more kind of abstract yeah, at this like, point. You know, very like surreal and druggy. Yeah, he kind of got a little odd. Um, you see, well. Was it, I don't Tuco. know who his friend was. That yeah, was Chewie that was on the couch? Tuco. You can call him Tuco if you want. Okay. Or you can call um, him Mr. Get so he was on the couch. From training day. Get your shit pushed in, Holmes? Anyways. Uh, he was basically cooking up some heroin. And a little kid comes in. who's like, hey guys, what's up? 
I love you guys. I want to be down like you. And he's like 13 years old at this point. Um, he's chased upstairs. The artist is like, hey, man, you're right. Uh, let's go shoot this heroin. It'll relieve my back pain. Let's yeah, chill out. Yeah, sure nothing bad to happen. Let's just shoot up right here. Yeah, so they do a little skin pop, you know, both of them take a little bit of H and nod off, as one does when they do mm -hmm. heroin. And then... And so then... Uh, what's what's his name? The kid comes back downstairs, and he's like, oh, wow, a cigarette, and take a puff. By the way, you cannot do that on film anymore, but that kid's, like, fucking right. He's like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Then he's like, ah, what's this little needle here? Oh, you know what? I want to be like my brother. I think I'm going to do a little bit of this. So the kid sticks the needle in his arm, and the scene kind of... Or, they don't even show it. They don't show it, but it, it fades away. And it comes back. The mother comes in, she's bringing in, I don't know what it was, and jugs. Yeah, just groceries in general. And she sees, like, the two guys nodded off and looks down and sees the youngest kid just on the ground, stiff, with a needle in his arm. And she freaks out. Uh, Chewy? Yeah. Chewy, right? Yeah, wakes up, and then he wakes up, Cruz, and he's like, hey, what the fuck? Wake up, wake up. And they see that the kid's there, just not responding, the mother's trying to slap him awake. He fucking OD'd after a little H pop like a punk-ass like bitch. Well, no. Couldn't even take a That's little skin pop. That's the thing about heroin, though, man. Sometimes, some of it, depending on what it is, man. That... Bro, this is before fitting all. If this, this was a tell-all podcast, I'd go into further depth of my knowledge, but I don't know if that's... <laughs> all right, so... No, I'm I'm joking. Obviously, I'm not trying to get the no, kids no, no. I know, I know, but God. we were joking about this a bit <laughs> ago, and it's hilarious to me. I know. Bitch can't even handle it. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I was trying to be fair, and I was like, yeah, I've seen some. Anyway, so <laughs> um, you know, he gets shunned by his family, obviously, for this. He's at the funeral. Reasonably. He's at the funeral, and it's a very code, deservingly so, because he's an asshole for for allowing that you know to happen. Um, I always did feel a little bad for Cruz, but it's also like you deserve to feel that shitty for what you did. Yeah, you clearly didn't try to hide the heroin, and then like the kid found his it. That's kind of on his you. His dad telling him, and this is his full on dad. It's the stepdad of Paco, but the his full on dad. He's like, "You're dead to me, like your son, like your brother." And the mom, you know, looks away. Paco gives him that very disapproving head head shake before he looks away. He's and Paco was a full yeah, on he's like got his like dress blues on, um, so he's like fully shunned by his family, kicked out. He ain't, he ain't coming to the barbecue no more. As far as they're concerned, both are yeah, that was that pretty day. pretty brutal. But I mean, also like I said, somewhat deserving. Um, I think also our guy Miklo is fixing to make parole soon after some heartfelt advice from Montana. Well. Let's go briefly oh, yeah, before so. that into... It obviously jumps back to the prison. We see La Onda's politics are sort of changing toward drugs a little bit. Like, they're like, you know, the BGAs are making some money off of drugs. No, it was mentioned before. Carlos was mentioned before, oh, and then okay. he became the focus after. So it is sort of oh, touched on. It is sort of touched on, you know, hey, at, right before Miklo leaves... Um, it sort of touched on that, you know, La Onda is like, sort of like, drugs are starting to be more prominent in America. La Onda is trying to figure out how, you know, how to deal with that because Montana doesn't believe there's any good future in dealing drugs for La Onda. They're like, nah, 
So right. that's nothing they get too deep into at this time, this point in time, because now they have the focus on Popeye left, so there's a bit of a vacuum in leadership. And now Miklo is fixing the parole. Now, this is the first time when he gets denied? Yes. Okay, so he gets denied the first time. He goes to the parole hearing. He's like, hey guys, look, I'm trying to be a standing citizen. I'm trying to do better. Uh, the gang coordinator of the prison's like, is it true you joined La Honda? It's like, is it true it's blood in, blood out? He's like, no, I'm just hanging out with my friends trying to defend myself. So he gets denied. Um, and then when he goes back to Montana, who's kind of like his father figure, he's like, no, you gotta show them, like, you wanna try, all they have is your jacket, so what you gotta do is you gotta study, show them something more, give them paperwork, so you see Miklo, like, gets his GED, starts to study, works hard, becomes kind of a prison library clerk, yep. really works his way up, like, trying to show that he's trying to be better than just a prison Which guy. Which does end up working out for him on his next attempt, and he gets granted parole. Because, you know... Yeah, yeah, the prison clerk thing did come after. I'm sorry. So, Anyways. Well, he does work in the library a little bit during that part. But you, I think he's just in the library a lot studying because he said he got his GED there. So, um... Yeah, he shows them, like, meaningful change that he's not just dicking around being in a gang, that he's trying to work on himself so they grant him parole. Which is the advice Montana gave him, as you said. Yeah, he worked yeah. hard at bettering himself and having something besides just his prison record. Is like, look, I want to change. I want to do better when I get out. You will never see me in here the again, yada I promise. and the woo-woos are great, but we'd like to see what you do do. Get it? I tried to be <laughs> smooth with it. Anyway. Nah, it made me so, laugh. So, <laughs> he, he gets parole and he gets out. And uh, who uh, who helps him almost immediately when he, see, like, when he gets out of jail? I forget. It's uh, Cruz. He brings him, he gets him some food. I can't remember what it was, but you just see, like, Miklo just chowing down on something. No, like, this is, like, so good. I was so making a, I was making like, a joke for a segue back to Popeye. But, you are right. It does show oh, immediately uh, that he's eating with Cruz. Like, Cruz is hanging out with his cousin. You know. Yeah, so, um, yeah. He's like, oh, this is the greatest food I've had in nine sort years. Of, sort of showing, like, you know, there's been an explosion of, like, immigrants in this area, so it's mo it's getting more Latino here. Which Miklo's real hype about, because, you know, it, the world's going to look different after ten years, most likely, in that time period. So. Yeah, Miklo's kind of a big deal at this point, too. I mean, not necessarily as much outside, but he, as you, like, alluded to, goes to Popeye for some fucking reason he has yeah. an apartment for him. I cannot imagine why he thought Popeye. Was I don't know, man. I, I assumed it was something Popeye told him while he was in jail. No, he did. He did when after like um, he forgave Popeye of his debt. He's like, if you ever on the outside, me go look me up and I'll help you out. He says something like that to him after Terrible the haircut choice. scene. And he's like, okay, I'll God leave a blank damn, spot yeah, really. in here next to your name, but it'd be up here in my memory. So, so it's basically a flop house with like six dudes in there with mattresses yeah, all over and the place. And Mik Miklo's got his own, like, little bed in the corner with a... Basically, creates, like, mm -hmm. a sheet curtain to keep his own Very area shitty. private. It's, like, three, four, five grown-ass men sharing a one-bedroom apartment, maybe two-bedroom. And it gets to the point where, basically, there are so many parties that Miklo starts sleeping, yeah. like, at the tire factory that he's working at for Which his Which is probation. a job Popeye got He's having a... Let you know. 
Oh yeah, Popeye's taking a cut yeah. of that shit too from everybody that he gets that job for. Popeye's a real fuckhead in this man. I fucking Dude, hate Miklo Popeye so works much. really hard. You know, he calls in, he calls Paco. They never hang out, but he does call him and is like, touches base with them. But it's hard for him to to talk with Paco, who's currently a narco, who's a cop. Yeah, hey Paco, the guy that introduced me to the he's gang life. I'm glad yeah. that you're a How cop. Awkward. So you know, he's working this job. He gives his boss some advice. Because his boss decides to sports gamble. I don't remember. I think it was basketball. It's the Lakers, Yeah, it's right? basketball because he bet yeah. against the Lakers. So Mikkel yeah. gives him some, you know, great advice. And the guy's like, oh, fuck you. I don't do what I want. So he ignores Mikkel's advice, which later turns out he, tur- he regrets it because he loses the bet. Yeah, he loses like 1200 And then he starts taking extra money. Extra money. On yeah, top of the tells- money Popeye tries to take from people. He tells Miklo, like, hey, man, um, I know you stole money from that truck because he had the keys, so I'm going to dock your pay now, $150 the next eight weeks. And Miklo does the math. He's like, hey, motherfucker, that's the money you lost on that bet that I told you not to do. He's like, well, why don't you call, I'll call your parole officer and we'll explain it to him so he believes. I'll tell my story, you tell yours, and we'll see where that goes. He's threatening Miko to, to frame him if he, you know, goes anywhere. But So Miklo just has to suck the dick on that one. For now. And that's when he's like, dude, I don't want to play this straight anymore. Like, I made $94 doing 20 hours of overtime at a fucking tire factory. Fortunately or unfortunately for Miklo, he's hanging out with Cruz and they come back to Miklo's apartment and they see Popeye's made a new friend who is a well-known drug dealer that has that connection to Cruz that we hinted at earlier as the drug dealer that Cruz that keeps, you know, dealing with for some reason. <laughs> the same... Yeah, I don't know why. Why would you let... This is like the 70s, it's now 80s. The, it's now the 80s. Or Grant. No. It, no, I don't... I Is it the 80s? Oh, yeah, because yeah, the, the whole time the jump does happen the first time he's in prison. So, four grand in terms of, like, 1980s money for a fucking guy who's clearly hopped up on drugs. Like, that is a that is a huge forgiving yeah. thing. Yeah, that, that's silly. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so, he's sort of... Miklo comes in, and he sort of, like, finds a way to wiggle his way into, like, what's this about? And they're like, well, we're meeting with Popeye about this armored car deal. Oh, the whole thing was, like, basically, he knocked on the door, he wasn't let in, he kept beating on the door. Someone, like, hold the chain open, he's like, let me in, it's my fucking home. And then you hear Popeye, yeah, let him in, he's cool. And then, like, a guy shoves a fucking revolver in his face and brings him over, and he's like, yeah, well, here's what's going on. Miklo starts, like, drinking fucking milk out of the fridge, and he overhears, like, Popeye and this guy talking about, oh, it's a hundred grand job, here's what's going down, like, basically, blah, blah, blah. Small details, and it gets to the point where Miklo's like, hey, what do you mean you don't have his fucking money? Like, we've been paying you a third of our paychecks and all this shit, and you don't have anything for him. And then you hear everybody else in the apartment turn, like, on Popeye. Like, what the fuck? Like, you haven't been giving him money? Like, we've been paying you. I also you. like the way that the, the drug dealer guy makes fun of one of Popeye's dudes. Yeah, what the fuck, I'm broke. I always laugh at the way he said that. <laughs> but yeah, basically it's, like, revealed that Popeye's been skimming money from everything and trying to cheat everybody out of... Like, you see Popeye's character truly in this form, if not before that in prison. Like, he's just been a shithead. And he's actually, like, it's great karma in this scene where he has to witness as uh, Miklo sort of uh, punks him out a few times in front of everyone at that table. Like, at one... 
At one it's point, incredible. he's like, he tells the guy, we got the muscle to pull off the job, and Miko literally, word for it, looks at him and goes, you got the muscle to jerk yourself off. <laughs> it pisses him off a little bit where he talks shit to Miklo. Miklo's like, go ahead, I'll send you to hell with Big Al, motherfucker. And it punks him out. He sits down. He's like, all right, yeah, Miklo has actually killed people. <laughs> yeah, I don't have point, the energy. Miklo has two bodies. Confirmed. And Popeye, we have I don't no think, confirmation has anything, so at this point for Popeye. So Miklo kind of takes over like the spot. He becomes the point guy in an armor truck heist. It's like, all right, we're gonna go rip this thing off tomorrow. We have stolen mm-hmm. wheels. Uh, you provide the guns, the cars here, so split, no big deal. So Miklo and a couple of guys decide to go rip off this armored uh, armored truck. There's the inside job. There's the tr- I mean, inside jobs and like the drivers in on it. Basically, the idea is you roll up, you take the cash, you dip out. Should be smooth, right? But here's the fucking problem, CJ. Here's the goddamn issue, Popeye, because he's a jealous ass bitch calls it in and snitches to Paco's partner. I'm like, hey, there's going to be a quote-unquote drug deal here. But it's not a drug deal, it's a goddamn mm-hmm. heist. And it's funny, it's just a twist of fate that he called the same... I guess he tried to call the same desk that fucked with him when he was in jail, so maybe he wanted to call a police desk directly. Anyway, he frames it like it's a drug deal. He's like, hey, Narcos, there's... 20 yeah, kilos. There's like 20 kilos in this Conaline van. And um, they see the van. It's Paco and his, you know, part awkward partner. I always found it a little funny, just his dorkiness. And pa- Paco randomly yeah, just does weird shit off on the him. Guy. It is random. You have to admit, it's kind of feel bad for the guy sometimes. Just, why am I an asshole? Why am I always an asshole? <laughs> why am I dick or asshole? Do you even the know my name? <laughs> So yeah, they, they're there. They're just they're thinking it's more casual that it's just gonna be a drug deal, nothing bad. And then all of a sudden, guns going off. The robbery's going down. I guess they met some resistance, <laughs> but they definitely laid out a dude carrying the money. Oh yeah, it ended up being uh, Paco's yeah. partner. And then they come out and robbers, shoot the but... bank robbers. Yeah, and Paco calls it in. And then he gets on. Um, he chases down one of the bank robber suspects. And they're both on the other side of a van from each other. As Paco's rounding, the guy uh, readies his gun at the window, like, head height. He's like, oh, and this cop walks by, he's dead. Yeah. But the robber notices Paco's face, and the, and it's revealed there that that's Miklo. Miklo yells out, you know, hey, it's me, don't shoot. And then they notice each other for a minute. Yeah. You know, Paco's like, what the fuck are you doing here? You owe me, man, Vados Locus for yeah, life. Yeah, Miklo looks at him, he's like, you know, basically like, look, you owe me, I did the bid for you. I did the prison bid for you, so you got, you owe me this. And then he takes off running, and you know, Paco, bitch ass, shoots him. Doesn't even, like, he tries to quote-unquote stop him, but this is one of the parts where, like, my version cut away. He just shot him yeah, right in the leg, right? it doesn't show him actually shoot, like the bullet hit Miklo, but... It shows him shoot his gun twice. Boom, boom. Okay. And then it cuts yeah, off yeah. to the tree. So I didn't know what the fuck So, happened. yeah, he shoots Miklo twice, apparently in the leg, which ain't revealed yet, but all you know is he shot twice. And then in the next scene, he's crying. So you're like, oh, you, you might be forgiven. I think he killed Miklo at that point. But it's revealed. Miklo's alive. He's just in the hospital missing his legs. One of his legs, rather. Yeah, he's yeah, missing no. one leg, not both. Yeah. 
he had a tough time there. Yeah, well, you see, the thing is about what Miklo did was he committed some very serious crimes, and he has to pay. So he's going back to prison. But before he goes back to prison, you know, Paco in the hospital is trying to apologize for him losing his leg. Miklo's like, dude, I don't know what the fuck your problem is. I, I did all that for you, and your way of thanking me is shooting me. I was your, you know, your blood. I was like your brother. We were in the gang together and all that. So, you know, they have their dispatch. Miklo's like, I'm cutting you off like they did my leg. So. Yeah, that is a cold ass yeah, line. Yeah, it is a is a pretty good, great line actually. Great delivery too. But um, you could you could really feel the anger of the actor. I feel like in that scene, the Miklo actor. So yeah, um, at some point. I know Paco goes to visit Cruz after that scene. Yeah, it's basically like right after. He's like, all right, or maybe it's, sorry before. It's near it. Yeah, it's Cruz. adjacent. That's a big word. It's been years after that kid just couldn't handle his fucking age, and he's like, hey, I haven't seen my cousin in a while. Or was it his brother? Yeah, I think Paco brother. comes in and and he sees the mother. He sees him painting. And how's his art doing these days? Um, his art is fucking bizarre as shit. Gotta be real honest with you, it's yeah. dark as hell. So I believe his painting that he's painting when Paco walks and shows Juan, which I believe is their little brother's name, I think they call him Juanito. Yeah, that, you, that you was You tend to add Ito at the end of the, your last, the, their name. You know, it's a common, like, Hispanic thing to do yeah. for someone who's younger than you. So Juanito is Juan. So he has a picture of Juan on the wall uh, with the needle in his arm. No, no, it's a no, it's a mural of himself ripping open his chest and there's like uh Juan's, you know, face there. This is where I had another cutaway to just like him cutting out yeah. Juan's face. When Paco came in, he was painting and Chewie sort of like just being high on the couch. And then he comes in and he's like yeah. he tries to talk to Cruz but Juan sort of giving him shit because he's like, oh, you're the type of bitch-ass cop to shoot your own. So, you know, Paco grabs him and throws him onto the ground, and then Chewie leaves like a bitch. Like an injured... He reminds me of an injured <laughs> dog. <laughs> oh, no, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Running off, holding its paw. <clears throat> Talking <laughs> shit. And fuck you, but it's like, you just got your ass whipped by only getting thrown. So you should probably go. So they have this real tense moment to where, like, uh, Cruz is like, dude, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, I'll come and check on my brother. He's like, oh, now I'm your brother? When I needed you, you weren't there. That past you know? seven years. Whenever I was going through all that, you turned your back on me. You, you know, and he also, a, a common theme that gets let, told to Paco is, you know, people are like, you shoot one of your own? You were, you know, in the same gang as this guy, and now you're, you know, you're arresting gang members like you weren't one. So that's something that you still that have the, the tattoo. characters having to come to terms with. Um, they he gets into a discussion with Cruz. You know, he's like, "Who gave you permission to use my little brother in your paintings?" And it leads to this moment that I, I guess you said you did see, where Cruz cuts out the painting of Juan's face and hands it over. Yeah, and just like here, you want it? It's a pretty Take good it. scene too. I feel like that those actors did great yeah. in that scene. There's a lot of context that I missed there, but that checks out. So, you know, more friction is established between those two. And unfortunately for Miklo, he goes back to prison with one leg. 
walks his ass all the way up to the tier with his Carnales, because, you know, he'll maybe down there in the mm -hmm. first tier. Moving on up. And he ends up being a Sully with Montana. Yeah. No, Magic Mike. Yeah. Oh, was I thought it was no, Montana. Oh, okay. Magic Mike. That's why he was so thrilled oh, okay. about when right. he came in. Okay. And Magic Mike had the poster put up for him and everything. Um, oh, okay, yeah, his going yeah. away photo. Or his going away thing. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, He's up there chilling, and uh, they they put Miklo on more, like, as far as his work duties go, it has to be lighter than kitchen duty, so he goes back to library duty. Yeah, it's kind of described to him as, like, later, at least, Montana's like, yeah, we put you in the library because you, do, you only have one leg, you can't be yeah. a soldier anymore. So he can't be getting into the scraps and stuff, so um, they... Uh... They got him working there. He sort of befr befriends a librarian somewhat who he has to work for, who's also an inmate. Um, and apparently used to be a drug dealer of sorts. So... Oh yeah, it's like, why do you... I mean, why are you in here if you had all those hardware stores? And he breaks it down like, this many kilos of weed, this many kilos of coke, and a pilot yeah. that flipped. <laughs> so, um... Um, Miklo, in one particular scene, he goes to approach the uh, Nazis about. I think I think it's actually money they want to bet. And I th um, no, no, no. It's uh, he goes up to one of them with a legal file, oh, like, hey, uh, here's this. And then he looks at another guy and he's like, yeah, you also have to pay this much on the book. And that's when he's like, hey, we ain't got to do yeah. shit. At this point, like his money, you know, Lowenda ain't as strong as they were, obviously, at this point. Um. And, and and in a very rough scene, the um, the Aryan guys, you know, pin Miklo to the ground, and Billy Bob Thornton makes him kiss his own prosthetic foot thing. That was hard yeah, to watch. Yeah, they bully him, and he crawls across the ground with his one leg missing, they laugh. So, you know, he takes that very personally. And I don't and know during why. this time, those politics we mentioned of La Onda are getting louder about the drugs, because right now, La Onda's status in the prison has dropped dramatically because of Montana refusing to let them go into drugs. You have one particular guy who in the leadership, I think his, I think his name was Carlos. Yeah, Carlos. Was, like, he's like, dudes, if we don't do this, I'm doing it without you, because I want money. I mean... And just so if people aren't clear, like, the way the structure worked was there was a council, but then everyone on the council got to have their own soldiers, and it was supposed to be, like, you know, yeah. an equal balance, but Carlos started flipping the script of, like, well... I do this, I get money, I get more soldiers, that's my fucking backup. Yep. so he actually does take people with him when he leaves. So he leaves... So Some of them do want him, the uh, money. He goes, um, I'll have the AVers back my play, which he's implying that he'll use the Nazis to protect them. So... What a fucking terrible choice. Uh, yeah, and uh, what's funny is in the background, Miklo does have these conversations with the Magic Mike, where he's like, you know, Carlos ain't wrong. He ain't horribly wrong. And then uh, I know he gets into this one altercation with the librarian who says the same line Carlos did, which I think you're first to cocaine as a oh, man yeah. cup of coffee. Yeah, because Carlos like, yeah, man, everyone's doing cocaine. It's America's cup of coffee. And then when he goes back to the law library, the other guy's like, yeah, you know, lawyers, doctors, they all do cocaine. It's America's coffee. And then she's like, oh. You're yep, close that was enough to let him make the connection. So he sort of now he's like, okay, so this guy can wise me up to the game a bit. So he sort of talks with the guy, 
and he sort of gets a full understanding of what Carlos was trying to tell the group, at least money-wise. So he knows there's at least some validity in it. But um, so he's having, and this is also a great scene. He's in the shower with uh, Magic Mike. Dude, that was done wonderfully, by the way. Like him being one-legged and being swung yeah, up to the dude showers. Yeah, a lot as well was wonderfully done. Oh yeah, no, I I had to pause it so I could yeah, get off. So I can get right Richard die trying when they turn around while the shanking's happening. Can you see them? Yeah, absolutely. Swinging? All right. So... <laughs> All right, I'll just. Dicks swinging. Bow it. Hit the camera lens. All right, so. <laughs> All right, take oh, two. God damn it. Still kept it in the film though. <laughs> 50 cent, more like 50 foot, doom. I don't know. That'd be weird. Doom! Damn! <laughs> if we would go th All right, enough of this madness. <laughs> In this great shower scene, uh, Mon uh, Mad now you got me calling him Montana. Magic Mike, the original Magic just, Mike, I was, I was having a conversation with Miklo in the shower about the situation. They're like, well, you know, Carlos leaving hurts us real bad. And um, Miklo's like, well... You know, Carlos was right, though, in a way. He was just going and about Magic it wrong. And Magic sort of agreed. Sort of. But he's like, you know, what we should do, we should make a buy. Take the rest of the money we have on the books, mm -hmm. make a purchase. Magic Mike asks him, he's like, you want to die? You want to die? If I have to, I will. So, Miklo believes if if Lawanda does not get into drugs, they're gone. They're gonna die. The other gangs are just gonna roll over all of them. At best, they're gonna be shining shoes and being. So at this boys. point, we we are disclosed on a on a some of a plan of Miklo's of what will happen with uh in relation to Carlos. I believe it's this scene that him and Magic are talking where he's like, "Well, this happened to Carlos." Yeah, and they so basically walk through Carlos, like a way to get Carlos rid of Carlos. Carlos ends up killing his competition, who is a member of the BGA, now that he has backing by the uh, AV, the Aryans. And he, he successfully yeah. kills the guy, and later on is found dead himself because, as Miklo explains in real time as it's happening, the AV will pull their protection from him, and then it'll be open season. So he's killed, implied, by the BGA. Maybe even as a gift by the AV, who knows? But, you know, Carlos yeah. is definitely killed. And it's uh, during this moment that um, Montana sort of has this, like, uh, moment with his crew where they're sort of questioning his leadership a little. Yeah, What's they're going on? you reacting to this, good. you know? So, um... He uh, he calms them down. He's like, we're gonna we're gonna talk with them and at least see what the fuck's going on here with the BGA. Yeah, his big reasoning is like the Aryans want us to wipe each other yeah. out. So they're he's on like, top. you know, there's bigger things here playing us against each other, which is something he does communicate to the BGA, and they do agree somewhat. However, he's also able to arrange um, a visit. He's basically going to transfer to Chino so he can try to arrange the yeah. peace talk. Because if I'm not mistaken, three BGAs were killed there uh, by, uh, for lack of a better term, Montana's yeah, people. Yeah, by, you know, associates of so Lawanda. He's, yeah. He's going there to, like, basically broker another truce and try to get and one as an added bonus. And he does their... He's going to see his daughter, who he hasn't seen 14 yeah. years. So, seeming... And Paco's also involved with the prison gang coordinator 
on um, finding a peace agreement between the um, La Onda gang and the the BGA, because Paco's had sev- run in with several members of um, La Onda. Basically, the problem is that it's just turning and out of the streets. There was a grenading of a business. Immediately it's, after you know, Carlos, drug is, immediate, I mean, I guess before Carlos died, he had his brother Smokey throw grenades at a, a nightclub that was full of all black people who had connections to BGA. And yeah, uh, those grenades were like mini nukes. <laughs> Dude, I know. Like I was watching that scene. Like, well, all that shit. Blew up the so entire building. Some huh? All right. Shit before you killed them. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's kind of yeah, the theme yeah, of the movie. You know, racial differences. <laughs> the movie. Uh, different strokes for different folks. So Carlos's play was basically: we wipe out the drug supply for mm-hmm. the BGA. We kill the BGA inside, we control the drugs, we hook up the AV. He obviously, you know, that didn't work out. He got killed. Uh, Smokey, very shortly after, I guess Popeye managed to kill a fucking person. Yeah, finally. no, he gets the hit ordered on him, um, presumably straight from Miklo. Yeah, it's, it's basically, I mean, not to jump too far ahead here, but... Popeye tries to stab him, gets blocked with the box, and I guess catches up yeah, to him. Yeah, it had to have been Smokey that got the kill because he was on him. I mean, it had, I mean, rather it had to I have mean, been yeah, Popeye Sm- that got the kill because someone was chasing him. I mean, yeah, someone killed him, and it had to have been Popeye, and he wasn't caught, which means Popeye successfully killed someone in like a hitman style fashion. So I guess I just I have a hard time seeing yeah, being after, subtle in after any after way that whatsoever. Failed, like you failed because of the box you handed him. There is not a single thing about Popeye that no, seems so. No, not at all. Which is our last Popeye scene, by the way. As yeah, in, you know, trying to kill Smokey. Because Smokey uh, was the, the guy who threw the grenades. Um, and Smokey was going to go snitch, didn't work out, he got popped or killed. Yes, or Paco was sort of grooming him to be a snitch. And um, so now Paco, with his lead gone, he now decides to try to work his way in with the um the prison gang coordinator I don't remember, I don't know his actual title but he's played by Bing Rames. He's like their gang expert. Yeah, and he works his way in cuz like he shows the photo of Popeye in the group and he's like, "Yeah, look, I actually have a blood relation." Yes. Like that's my cousin right there. Because their their operations funneled by narcotics, he's able to somehow get jurisdiction or whatever to help them. And also, he has a family it's a coordinated effort. Miklo, who they know at this point, obviously, is higher-ranking Lawanda. So he he sort right. of uses uh, he sort of talks with Miklo, and Miklo's like, "Yeah, I guess we could arrange a deal if you know." So pa- uh, Paco helps him organize. Yeah, Miklo. Sorry, Paco helps Miklo organize the little sit down through the warden. Yeah, it's basically like Miklo and one lieutenant meets up with uh, a lieutenant of the BGA and or the head of the BGA and one of his lieutenants after the stabbing of Montana by a BGA uh, enforcer, right. quote unquote. So that that leads up to that meeting we were we were just speaking of of between Laonda and the BGA on Montana fixing to transfer temporarily to broker a peace agreement between groups in another prison. Um their groups in, in in another prison, rather. So, um, 
during this time, Montana really you get a lot more background on him when it follows him to this other prison. Yeah, I would say out of the entire movie, he's been like the most stand-up yeah. traditional kind of guy. He seems like a good guy, other than like some murderous tendencies he seems to have. So, um... Yeah, you know, you get a lot of do. sympathy for this character as he sort of befriends a, an older inmate next to him who, um, you know, he tells about his daughter and shows his picture and expresses that he's super excited to see her because he hasn't seen her since she was like a baby. So he's, you know, he's real excited and nervous and they're given these little, they share stories of their childhood, their little side hustles as kids. And, you know, they, they form a... Yeah, you really they, get a feel for characters. They start to get a decent little, little cool friendship going on. So comes time for Montana to get ready to see his daughter. And the old man he just befriended is holding a, a mirror for him. And uh, while man, Montana's combing his hair, he is stabbed a couple times in the side by the old man, who is revealed to be a member of the PGA. A 30-year, like prison inmate who was a BGA yeah, soldier. hardcore, according to Ving Rams. He didn't seem terribly hardcore, but he was uh, old, so it looks can be deceiving. You know, he managed to fucking kill yeah, off the head of Londa. So, he, after stabbing him, you see him start breaking apart this wooden comb, and, and uh, he, he burns a message in the comb and over the toilet with the lighter he, that Montana gave him to light the cigarette with that Montana also gave him. Fucking yeah. brutal. So, yeah, that, that happens out of nowhere. And Montana dies somewhat quickly, but he gets a little bit of a scene moment where you get to see him struggle. You feel real bad for him, but... So Montana's dead. And shit's going haywire at San Quentin as a result. You have literal fires started, exactly. you have floodings, you have a riot. Yeah, the gangs are fighting each other, they're basically like lighting mm -hmm. shit on fire and throwing it to prison guards. It's it's all hell so, breaking loose. You know, they're super pissed about this. And um Miklo's argument is we gotta be a little smart and planning, you know, if we're being played here by the A V like we think we are, we need to be a bit more organized or at least get a full scope and know what the fuck is happening. So Miklo talks them into you know, I can get another meeting with Bonafide and we can see what they have to say. You know, I'll be there and I'll get to, you know, know if he's telling the truth or not in person. So they, they use Paco to broker another meeting with the BGA on the yard. So they're all separated at the yard by this fence, all three factions. I don't know why they let the AV near them. Because the, the cops knew uh, they were trying to broker a peace. That, that was, that was, sorry, sir, that was beforehand. That was when uh, Montana was uh, still alive. Uh, yeah. But anyway... They... Yeah, those Montana talking to Bonafide that we negotiated going to the other prison. He got stabbed, and then sorry, I mixed up the timeline. That's when they had the uh, two like basically it was Miklo and Magic with uh, Bonafide and his lieutenant, and that's when they discussed the day of the yes. dead deal. So anyway, they did to discuss uh, an agreement with Bonafide and stuff to sort of take on the AV. They sort of realized, yeah, we think the AV sent uh, because at some point they send. Bonafide to talk to this old man that killed Montana to to sort of investigate what happened because we're like you know we don't know what happened and it's looking like you were he's like well let me talk to him I'll I'll get him to, I'll see what happened and the older man's like no I got the comb I got your comb and your message to kill him so 
Yeah, it was just a replica of his comb, which was fucking yeah. mind-boggling for me. Yeah, I mean, the ending reveals that, don't it? But, um, so yeah, he gets Bonafide's comb. It seemingly did the killing, thinking he was under Bonafide's order. Bonafide don't know what the fuck is going on. So he tells Miko this, and he's like, one of the AVs must have gotten my comb, my comb and made a copy of it. And made that guy think I sent an order to kill Montana. He's like, we're being played by the AVs, like Montana said this whole time. And he's like, well, we'll work together. On Day of the Dead is when we'll strike, which is, you know, the Mexican holiday of Day of the Dead. And um, we get a nice, when we actually get to Day of the Dead, we get a nice heartwarming scene with Cruz, who's visiting the grave of Juanito when um, morning, when his other family members come up. And for the first time in seemingly, like, 10-ish years, they they yeah, recognize his existence and sort of embrace him and they hug. And you get a sense of, okay, they welcome him back and they forgive him. Because surely it hasn't been easy on him either, especially now that he's sort of... It's shown that he's somewhat turning his life around a little. It seemed like he was cleaned up. I mean, it didn't show a lot of him as part of, like, this part of the movie, but it seemed like he was definitely yeah, on the track. Yeah, he's definitely, like, working to get better. And, um... So we get a nice heartwarming scene briefly, heartwarming, I guess. Because what immediately follows is a pretty badass scene that I compare to the first Godfather, uh, the end, the last act of the Godfather, rather. And you get this sort of systematic takedown of all the leadership and soldiers for the AV. And yeah, that was pretty brutal. Combined I mean, assault with, you know, you have BGA and Londa. With BGA. And some of them are... And if you recall... If you recall the book from earlier, like, some of the stabbings like this one's going to be painful, this mm -hmm. one's going to be slow. They even light a guy yeah, on fire. Yeah, they even light a dude on fire. Um, one dude has a pretty brutal death by a, a weight bench weight while he's lifting weights. Oh yeah, like his uh, spotter gets taken out, and then as he's, like, trying to lift, a guy takes him out with a fucking yeah. weight to the head. That's the fear of most people when they lift yeah. it, that, like, you can't do shit if someone wants to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of spooky. And when you think it's all about done, you think the BGA and the fucking Londa came together and take out the AV, it's not quite it, no, done. No, it does yet. this magical thing where, like, you notice um, at the end, you seemingly bona fide Magic Mike are talking, like, you know, we'll just lay low and we'll pretend nothing happened, everything will be cool, the guards won't know what's up. And then Miklo does this ominous, it cuts away back to Miklo, and he does this ominous turn toward the camera, very beautifully shot. Where you oh, know, like, lit. wait a minute, what the fuck's happening? And then it's revealed, oh, no, now they're killing the BGA. Salonda so turns on the BGA and takes them all out. Most brutally, too, Bonafide is killed pretty brutally. Oh, Bonafide was probably, like, the most standout death and, like, the hardest oh. to go. Because he stabbed one guy that came at him, used him as a human shield, and got yeah, got from uh, behind. Magic Mike comes from behind and shoves some sort of metal rod through his throat. Back. Yeah, I mean, at least the like fucking, uh... That stuck with me. Oof. I mean, the AVs had a pretty brutal go, but at least the other guys in the BGA was, like, somewhat quicker. I mean, it was still stabbings, but, like, going through the neck yeah, and the no, twist. Yeah, no, all the leaderships that died, except for maybe Montana, had a pretty brutal demise. Yeah. I mean, Montana's wasn't not brutal, but, I mean, like, he wasn't burned to death or <laughs> killed, like, Bonafide. Right, compared to the other ones, not quite as bad as it could have been. 
But yeah, um, brutal Michael Corleone-esque way to take so out the other no people. So there's no competition left. You killed the leadership of all your competition. Your gang is now also in charge of all the big drug things. You're benefiting off of the little war Carlos started. That wasn't even like part of Lowenda at that point. Lowenda didn't want nothing to do with that. Because that was all Carlos and his brother. But he found a way to manipulate found a way to spin it into his own. His cousin Paco, who seemed to turn his back on him, he, he put a spin on it and manipulated him into working for him to help him set up the meeting uh, when, with Montana, Bonafide, and uh, uh, Bonafide Second. Yeah, like, as you put it, when you're in prison, you use what you have, and yeah. I had you. So they have this real pretty awesome, like, final discussion in prison. Paco's like, you know, you fucking used me. And Miklo's like, no, I used what I could. You know, I've, these are my family now. And... Yeah, there's a whole discussion, like, they're not your family, I'm your family. He's like, oh, yeah, you were never my family. Like, you turned your back. This is my home now. This is my family. This is where I belong. Yeah. Just this whole twist where he's like, I belong in prison. I know how like, to make I'm this not work. Your brother. And Miko's like, I'll always be your brother and shows him the tattoo. Yeah, for and life. He brings up their gang name. So it's a pretty neat moment. And, you know, Paco walks off frustrated and we're greeted by the very last scene of the movie. I feel like this last scene was more like, hey, we should all be happy, right? No, it's that unhappy scene. It could be. I, th I feel like it's an attempt at uplifting because I feel like everything's tied off nicely for me. But anyway, uh, the just to get the final scene out of the way, then we could do like final thoughts. Um, yeah. So you see Cruz and Paco walking in a storm drain. Cruz cut his hair, and he's looking clean. He's sober and clean, and they're sort of having like you know post movie discussions. I guess you would call it. <laughs> you know, things have been crazy lately, and um, they're talking about. <laughs> their, uh, Cruz goes to show him a mural that he had apparently painted when they were younger. Of the three hanging out, uh, Miklo, Cruz, oh, it it's beautiful. actually a really cool scene, yeah. I think it's done near the storm drain, that big one in, in L.A. But, um, yeah. you know, they're sort of having this discussion, and Paco's like, you should scrub Miklo off, because he's a piece of shit. And Cruz is like, well, and this is where it gets laid on Paco bluntly, like we've been saying the whole time. Everything that happened is because of you. Miklo would have never tried to show off for you if you didn't tell him to go after Spider. Yeah, like, the kid wouldn't have tried to be, like, the... Uh, God damn it, what was his name? Luis? Yeah. No, no God, uh, God damn it, Juan? Juanito, yeah, The Juan. kid kid. Yeah, Juan, okay. Like, he wouldn't have tried to bend down. Like, uh, the reason why he, like, he loved me more because I showed him affection, but he wanted to be yeah. cool like you. Well, the, actually, like, the same cousin well, he, he said that wanted to be like you was uh, Miklo. He was saying that about Miklo. Like, oh, Miklo, oh, okay. I thought he was by saying, you, oh, never he, never, he never mentioned Juan, but... Oh, I thought Juan was brought up in that uh, conversation. No, Paco tried to say that, and he was like, no. But I, I did like the quote. Huh, okay. Like, uh, yeah, you know, Paco's like, oh, shit, you're right. And, uh, you know, I, I sent him after Spider. I did this, I did that. It's all my fault. Um, and he's like, uh, no, you're not that powerful. It's just, you know, recognize what you did do. And, you know, you can't hate right. Miklo because, you know, he was just trying to impress you. And whatever happens, happens. And but he made his own We got focus. family and something about a rabbit's foot. And, you know. Movie closes oh, yeah, out, yeah. and a very long movie, just like this very long episode. 
Yeah, the movie's like three hours, and I did not think we were going to go as long as that. We're an hour and a half, man. We could go another... We could... Are we only an hour yeah, and a half in? Jesus. the recording today at 4.10. Oh, man. If, I mean... So, huh. um... Alright, you know, go. Great movie, cult classic, very obviously a timepiece, but, um... It, it was, like, for, um... I know a lot of people who've seen this movie, and everyone always has a smile when you mention it because it's like three movies in one. Yeah, there's a lot going on yeah. in the story. It's a but you know, I don't feel like anything is done too messy. Everything feels neatly tied up by the end. And oh, oh, we forgot. We forgot, guys. There's one final scene with Miklo talking with Magic Mike where it's revealed as it happens, Magic Mike presents Miklo these bars of soap. And you look at the bars of soap, and they are in the shape of Bonafide's comb, revealing that the pair stole Bonafide's comb, duplicated it, sent the duplicate to that prisoner to have Montana killed. They orchestrated all of it. It was brilliant. And in a great moment, you know, you have, as Magic Mike is like, "I, I know you told me to destroy it, but I kept it for protection from you, you know, in case you decided to kill me. So, um, right. uh, but I want you to destroy it. So he turns the sink on, and it's just soap. So Miklo just tears it up with his hands. And a very and Mike declares my yeah, life for you. And he declares his allegiance for life to him. So it's a very cool scene. You also have just briefly before that Miklo discussing that the prison is wanting to split the gang up and send their members to different prisons, discussing the spread of their prison gang into other prisons. Yeah, he breaks it down like you're gonna go to Arizona, you're gonna go to Texas, you're gonna set up your own chapters. We're and gonna everything that's indicated, nothing's indicated that that's not gonna work. So it's I the way I always look at it is that happened. Like yeah, I mean like real life. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> in this movie universe, it did it happened also. But oh yeah, definitely. What do you what do you think of this one? It was one I was surprised. Like I've been surprised for years you haven't seen it, just because of the subject matter. I mean, it seems like right up your alley. I'd never really heard of it too much, okay. but that runtime is like it flies by, but you that's a long runtime. Like you don't need that runtime for a lot of crime things, but Well, I don't I don't I don't want to get too deep into it, but I feel like you could break this up and evolve this into like a great that sounds, TV show. Yeah, it would probably work better as a mini series, but then it could even be longer. But I think the movie is just fine. Oh yeah, the movie's great. It's you know a little more cumbersome than a modern audience. Yeah. Modern audiences yeah, well, are prepared for, but it's definitely worth checking there's out. There's a couple problems because, like, we're the uh, we're the Vine generation. Our general attention spans like seven seconds, and then the next one's I've, the TikTok generation. I've, so it's not a surprise that it's, even Oppenheimer. It gets lower, and lower. You know, for people's like, come on, guys, I didn't need the long ass. But it did good, yeah, kid. You know, let it blood out. I mean, I, I, didn't I don't know how it did when it came out, but I know it did great, as history shows. It's a cult classic, and that's something you can't take from it. It's one of those movies that just sticks yep, with you. Yep, it's a great movie with great moments. Pretty cool look at the San Quentin prison system at that time. The influence of drugs on prison gangs. The influence of prison gangs on street gangs, which is a big one. Because when you think about it, what is one thing every gang has? Criminals. And where do all criminals go? Hey, hey, don't you dare stereotype gang members as criminals. That is offensive okay. and rude. 
<laughs> so, I've always, always thought that was that was a cool part of this movie. Something that movies really don't touch on. Something your average suburbanite might not even think of. Yeah, it definitely shows like the evolution, all the roots, and like the systematic parts of gang life, as opposed to just like the regular street gang right. stuff. Yeah, but, um, uh, the take on how the drug problem growing in the streets too. People becoming addicted, overdosing. Um, you had, you know, this sort of like early peek at like how gangs kind of were back in the day. They were a lot like that back in the day. It was closer to a group of kids being hooligans. You know, every now and then the hooligans would get very uh, violent, kill each other, but no, no, you know, not as common. It was the exception, not now. the rule. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exception, not the rule. Uh, speaking of hooligans, where can these hooligans find you doing things if you don't have any more well, thoughts I on do. the movie? Well, I do. Oh, fine, fine, so go ahead. Wait till, my, till I'm finished wrapping it up. Sons of bitches. You fucking sons of assholes. You, you cocks of my ass. So, anyway, Certified Cult Classic, as we discussed, um, it touches on many things. It also touches on a little less known things, such as, like, insecurity in yourself with Miklo. Sort of like finding your own groove. You do you, girl. You go, sis. That sort of vibe. Especially when it comes to those of a racial admixture who maybe aren't, you know, too happy with their appearance. You know, cheer up, buckaroo. You could be the shit. Cheer up, yeah. buckaroo. <laughs> you could also earn the rank of El Jefe in a prison game. Yeah, you, you could. You could. You could loser loser douchebag who's listening to my words right now which is me because i oh, no. technically you always hear yourself so me what you can do is you can kill someone and you could be in a prison gang and you could run that prison gang because you go girl if if life goes upside down you just take what you have and you stab your See, way and that's top. why this movie will be timeless it will live on and it will be a great movie to show elementary schoolers I would actually recommend this right up there with Oz, the oh, show. <laughs> this this movie is great. I'm so glad you got around to seeing it. Um, if if anyone listening hasn't seen it, check it out. It is a long movie. If um, I I don't I think the movie flies by. We both do like The Godfather, but I'll say this: the movie, in my opinion, in this movie, is way more justifiable at the time than in The Godfather. There's a lot more action to this. Well, definitely. you know, everything. Yeah, yeah. They're both great. Movies are good. Drugs are bad. In entertainment. Uh, give well. me some Chon Chon, and you can find me uh, hiding in Smokey's former apartment. Oh, man. With I wouldn't Popeye. recommend going there. Ooh. Mm. Oh, no. That's the yeah, it turns out Chon Chon, just a brand of candy. All he wanted was some candy for me. Oh, well, in that yeah, case, Yeah, so Miko had some Skittles. Like, maybe you got some Chon Chons, and he wanted his... Could have been a so, lot worse, that's honestly. That's where you can find me. Where can they find you? Um, just look for the name of the podcast right. and all the places. We're yeah, well, we're we're at places. We're in places. On us for. Yeah, fucking look look around. Robot Sony, wrong things. We do butt stuff. We've occasionally butt done things. a thing. Now they're having butt sex. Cowboy butt, butt sex. sex. Sodomy. Sodomy.exe.